0: Hey guys, welcome to DopeyCon! I just want to say how amazed I, I've been hanging out with Dopey people all day and yesterday. Just, I'm so amazed at what y'all have done with the Dopey Nation and taking the 12th step out into the world in Probably the weirdest way it's ever been brought. But uh, I applaud you guys. This dopey, dopey podcast. And what do you need? Them? That's coming in your you. Heroin and ketamine. And beer. Chris and that other guy, Dave, you know, the hot one. Everybody wants to fuck Dave made me rewrite that line
1: Now you know
0: Good luck David Mascalani Start the car, let's get on the way Hey, let's go Dopey Podcast is starting up Welcome to the Welcome to the Welcome to the
2: welcome to the show. This special DopeyCon edition of Dopey is brought to you by our friends at Oro Recovery. They're located in sunny Southern California, in Malibu, Western Los Angeles. Aura was created by Bob Forrest and his friends, Evan, Jared, and Bob. Their mission to create a treatment center that helps addicts and alcoholics by using compassion and connection rather than control. They have decades and decades and decades and decades of experience in treating co-occurring mental health disorders, including severe mental illness. They make sure that when you kick... The kick isn't so bad, which is really, really important when you're kicking heroin or meth or alcohol or benzos or crack or coke or booze or whatever. Most importantly, Oro is a place that people enjoy going to. I know that sounds weird, but everybody that I know that has been to Oro to get help has had a really, really positive experience. And they have amenities you wouldn't believe. Sound bath meditation, equine therapy, the potentially spiritually transformative sweat lodge, surfing, you name it. If you're fucked and you're willing to go to sunny Southern California to get help, I cannot suggest going to Oro enough. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by our friends at Your Sober Buddy. If you were at DopeyCon, you saw some of our friends from Your Sober Buddy. What is Sober Buddy? It's an app on your phone that you can keep in your pocket that can help you Get Sober, and it can help you stay sober. They have mindfulness challenges. They have a free sober tracker. It makes you feel like you have a sober friend in your pocket, and I use it every day. There is a growing Sober Buddy community. So join the Sober Buddy community at www.yoursoberbuddy.com or get the app at the App Store or the Google Play Store. And remember, the first week is free. The Sober Tracker is free. Check it out, Your Sober Buddy. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by our very good friends at Sober Link. We need to talk about alcohol recovery in the workplace. Talking about sobriety and providing it to your employer can be so difficult. And our friends at SoberLink want to help. If you need a reliable way to present documented proof of sobriety to a boss or loved one, SoberLink can help. SoberLink is a high-tech portable breathalyzer system that uses facial recognition technology to verify identity. It has unique sensors that ensure that no other air sources are being used. And it sends results directly to your specified contacts. So there's no questioning whether or not you took the test and whether or not you altered the reporting. This is why Soberlink's remote alcohol monitoring system is considered the gold standard. Being in recovery from alcohol does not define the future of your career. Let Soberlink help. Learn more about SoberLink. And request an exclusive $50 off promo code by visiting www.soberlink.com slash dopey. That's www.soberlink.com slash dopey. Before we get to the show, I want to tell you guys about a great recovery podcast called Recovery in the Middle Ages. It is a podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads and their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. Listen as they discuss current topics of interest to the recovery community, including 12-step, alt-recovery, the newest medical research, and talk about their daily struggle to maintain their recovery and anonymity in the world of soccer moms and PTA meetings, if the world only knew, especially their neighbors. Find Recovery in the Middle Ages wherever you find podcasts or at middleagesrecovery.com. Also, before we get to DopeyCon, I want you to buy merch. There's tons of merch. I have excess Dopey merch. So just fucking, I'm going to put it on Instagram and you're going to message me and I'm going to mail it out the way I love to do. And also, we are in a partnership with an amazing printing company called SRO Prints out of Cincinnati. They're junkies in recovery. They have made some new Dopey shit which will be available any second now. So enough with all this Malarkey and hoo ha. Here it is, DopeyCon. All right. Hello and welcome to Dopey, the podcast on drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. My name is Dave, and I'm really, really excited to present DopeyCon to you guys. Before I put the show on, I just want to say a few things. First of all, we opened the show with the DopeCon theme song challenge winner, Brady. And Brady killed it. But the audio recording we have of it is not worthy of, of Brady. So I don't want you guys to get the wrong idea. So we're not going to play that. Also, I cut the music after Brady. I, I had to do some stuff because we had technical issues in recording DopeyCon as a podcast. So having said that, I'm going to play you DopeyCon, and you're going to like it. Now, I'm going to play DopeyCon, and you're going to forgive any technical issues. You know I'm sure you expected a super pristine, perfect recording. I know I did, but this is what we got. Here we go. I to, before I even say that, DopeyCon was awesome. Anybody that was there knows that it was so much better than this recording could ever represent. So if you were considering coming to DopeCon, come to the next one. And here and there you might hear weird shit like people talking. It's the stage manager who is Linda's brother. Somehow that got into the mix. So just ignore anything that isn't good. I know you guys are used to that with this show. So here we go, DopeCon 2022. <laughs> thought so we have a video now. What's going on? Hello, and welcome to video. DopeyCon, the, the fucking Good morning. whatever Good you morning, call this, the morning. event to celebrate the podcast on drugs, addiction, and dumb shit, and my name is Dave, and this is, I don't think there's enough people. the fuck? I think there's some empty chairs someplace. Okay, I can um, stand
0: by Marin video. I
2: was going to start this thing by shouting out Fentanyl J, but he's late. So we're gonna yeah. give we're gonna give other shout-outs. First we're gonna shout out Smiling Joe. Let's hear it for Smiling Joe. Fucking okay, just celebrated 27 years. Shout out Tom, he just celebrated 26 years. Fucking okay, some dude over here just celebrated two years. Where's the dude over here with what's his name? What's your name? Brian with two years. Right? Somebody else just had 10 days, but this is not a recovery podcast. What, what are you talking about? What are you trying to tell me? How many? 12? Today? So, what are you celebrating? This is about today. Thank you. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. It's fine. Five years. Very good. Very good. That's different for her, too. Um, this is very exciting, right? The Con... I mean, and this is technically DopeyCon 3, but we're not going to number them because we figured it would be very janky to have like DopeyCon 7. So it's DopeyCon 2022, right? That sounds good. I'm very excited. This is John Takif, AKA Tony Manchin. You might hear, you might have know him from his classics, Methadone, Titty Meat, the Fat Albert song. Dude, you're very prolific in the dopey world. So let's give it up for John. The three of us at one point were a band so I'm, and that's Prayer Brian. Brian, he does uh, Dope Dopey 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 Dopey. He does, uh, he does Good Morning Dopey. He does it all. So let's hear it, Brian. Prayer Brian. It's funny because we're doing this whole show, and I like I was so ha- I was like I'm not gonna talk to anybody before we start, so I don't put out the energy, and then I forgot what I was supposed to talk about. So. Here we are. I'm very, very glad you guys are all here. I didn't meet, where's James Glenny? James Glenny all the way from England, fucking pumping out designs. James, stand up James Glenny. Take a bow, come on. That's James Glenny. And I'm not gonna shout everybody out, because it'll be too much. We have to shout out Annie Ellie. Annie Ellie, also from England. All right, all right. I can shout out everybody all all day. What are we What are we doing? Um, I don't even remember what we're doing. Like, what are we doing? Huh? Yeah, Marin was put. Yeah, Mark Marin reluctantly sent a video welcome. He told me to stop fucking annoying him, but he sent this. So let's hear it for Mark Marin. who's not here. Uh. Hey look,
3: it's Mark Maron, me, I'm in my kitchen. I'm doing this video right now to welcome all of you to DopeyCon 2022. The reason I'm doing it in my kitchen right now at this very minute is because Dave Mannheim has texted me no less than, I I wanna say a hundred times, but that's an exaggeration, but it's to make a point. I'm doing this right now so I don't have to resent him. You understand resentment, right? I, I resent him for asking me so much, but but you, know, you hit a wall with it and you're like, let's just end this, let's end this, this cycle of abuse. <laughs> I'm doing this because I like Dave, I like the show. I like that it helps addicts content-wise and this, uh, this dopey con is gonna benefit addicts as well. And it'll be fun, so enjoy it. Enjoy your cats' meat and pickles and bread and food. I don't know if there, are there vegetarian options? I don't know, eat the coleslaw or the potato salad or a pickle. Eat a pickle, all right? That'll be good. I don't know what you're gonna do for protein. Anyway, enjoy enjoy the dopey con.
2: All right, thank you, Mark (laughs) Maron. And uh, we've met a lot of people, obviously, over the years. And one person I got to meet this year is a super funny comedian from New York City. And I discovered her, I discovered her, so thank you, me, uh, because she did this great bit about people dying from fentanyl and rehab, and I thought it was hysterical. And I know you guys would appreciate that, so let's put your hands together for the great Chloe Lebranch. Uh,
4: hello. How is everybody? Yeah, Doki-Con, what's up? Cloakaholic. What's up? Aren't you supposed to say hi, Chloe? Hi. Yeah. There we go, this is my first meeting in weeks, thanks. All it takes is two alcoholics, he's usually just me and my drug dealer. Uh, just wrote that. Oh God, I don't know. So yeah, he was saying that I have a bit on rehab, I do, because I've been 10 times. Uh, yeah, because I'm a fucking legend. And I've been 10 times, they're not like abortions, you don't get the 10th free. But rehab, rehab, I realize it's a lot like high school. It really is, you know, you got your cool kids in rehab and you got your losers. The cool kids in rehab, those are your drug addicts. The losers are the alcoholics. You know, it's like the drug addicts, the heroin addicts, that's your fucking football team. Right, you know who's the quarterback? Hunter Biden. So I'm an alcoholic, so, so day one I go into the cafeteria, it's kinda like Mean Girls, right? I go, I try to sit with the cool kids, the drug addicts, and they're like, you can't sit with us. You can sit over there with the Chardonnay Housewives. And I was like, I'll show them next fall. So I spent the whole summer smoking crack. And I come back and I was like, who's a loser now? And they're like, "Still you, we do fentanyl." <laughs> no, nah, I'm kidding. None of them made it back. <laughs> yeah, they died. They ghosted me. <laughs> Who's a loser now? <laughs> my uh, my last boyfriend. He was really passionate about what he did. Heroin. <laughs> it was really chill though. We took a lot of naps. I'd always be like, I'd cook for you, but we have no spoons. (laughs) (laughs) Haven't worn a belt in years, because he stole them all. (laughs) That relationship, it it had some red flags other than the heroin. Uh, But he was a billionaire, right? So ignore the red ones, see the green ones. I think he was gay, so actually, rainbow flags. And... That relationship, it started off really backwards, though, I got to tell you, because this guy, I can say, I don't know if I can say this in a church, but here we go. It started off really backwards, because this guy, he he ate my butt before my vagina. <laughs> I was like, this guy is backwards. <laughs> but we were in bed one day for one of his naps, and... It's important to be relatable to those you love. So I I said to him, I was like, I know you got a problem with heroin. I actually, I have three DUIs. And he said to me, that's amazing. So we just started fucking, right? Without a condom, because I'm awesome. And, nah, it's because he had a trust fund. And a few weeks later, I said to him, I was like, hey man, I think I might be pregnant. And he said to me, how the fuck could you be pregnant? You have a DUI. Right, this backwards motherfucker. (laughs) This dyslexic fuck. What a retard, oh God. I don't know, I do know. It's nice to be in the church, because I got like three minutes on God. I don't know, do you guys remember Avicii? Yeah, RIP. Also, i got to tell you, when Avicii died, I used his death to my advantage. I used to go into the middle of crowded dance floors at nightclubs and start hysterically crying. And just start yelling, I miss Avicii! And the finance dicks would flock. I think Avicii's in heaven right now. Not necessarily because he's a good guy, but because the good guys need good entertainment. So that's what I think's going on. But I think heaven's getting to be a really stressful place right now. Because first of all, you got the boomers up there who are fucking chilling, right? And then, they can just up there touching whoever they want, getting blacked out, doing whatever. And then we got these fucking millennials coming up, bringing HR. And they're like, oh, the Me Too movement. Come to AA. (laughs) The boomers were like, I was a veteran. (laughs) You pussies and your trauma. And then I think the millennials are getting stressed out because we got Gen Zers coming up. And they're coming up there on things that they shouldn't be allowed to come up for, like suicide facts. But they're like, oh, it was for the environment. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and then I think the Gen Zers are causing a lot of problems because they're up there and they're trying to cancel God. You know Immaculate Conception? They're like, I don't know, God wasn't consent. Was it? They're like, Nazareth, blue state, red state, blue state, red state, what are we doing here, God? And the boomers are like, leave the big guy alone. The Gen Zers are like, guy? Maybe it's time to talk about your pronouns. Speaking of pronouns, I identify as a cunt.
5: Thank you. (laughs)
4: I got to get out of here, but I don't want you guys to be worried about me because I don't drink anymore. Now that I don't drink, people are always like, Chloe, what do you miss the most about drinking? And I'm just like, driving. <laughs> All right, give it up for Dave. <laughs> I don't think so.
2: So we're going to do this like a proper talk show. Let's hear for Chloe do you think it's fucked up that i have the red chair is that wrong it's fine i feel like depends I need... on
4: your stance on abortion
2: i have i have very little i, I you know this is not a political show
4: <laughs> dopey's not a
2: political show um what was i gonna say i think women should choose whatever they want to do that's what i think that's my stance now you just have to clap and be like woo yay um yeah. so thank you for coming to DopeyCon. thank
4: you for having me great to see everyone
2: And when last we spoke, you were writing a play.
4: Yes, this is true. What's up with the play? The play is called Slow Motion Suicide. Yes. And it is about addiction. And what it is is because you know when you're actively using, you're committing suicide in slow motion. So, yeah, it takes place in the psych ward. uh, Because I have a bit about how uh, this one time I took a bottle of sleeping pills. I did, though. (laughs)
2: When did, wait, when did you take the bottle of sleeping
4: pills? It was when I had a question for Heath Ledger.
2: Wow. And is, the play is obviously a, a, a comedy.
4: Yeah, it's a dark, dark comedy.
2: And are, what, where are you at in, is this early recovery now?
4: You know, every day's a journey, Dave. Every day is a journey. I haven't had a drink since breakfast.
2: Very nice.
4: No. I, I'm a few months in nice. on, on this round.
2: Are you doing any kind of like early sober job kind of thing?
4: Well, yeah, obviously a babysitter.
2: Okay. <laughs> Are you doing that? Really? We're all
4: babysitters, Uber drivers, or therapists. You know.
2: So you pick. I was a deli person. <laughs> yeah. I, I got I got sober working in a deli. Wouldn't trust was, your
4: meat. Huh? Wouldn't trust your meat. Exactly.
2: <laughs> um. So how's early recovery?
4: You know. Does it suck on a scale uh, of one to ten? It's fine. I've been in early recovery so much that like first time I got sober that really sucked but at this point I know the drill and I know that like I just wake up and I I, I try. I don't give a shit about day counting anymore I spent so much time day counting and caring what everyone thought in the rooms and, and not coming back to the rooms because of day counting but at this point you know you hear like old timers say we only have 20. So whoever woke up the earliest and I just like to think like because when AA started they didn't have day counting so
2: I wonder who came up with day counting. What fascist bastard yeah. came up with day counting. That's what Ray says. He says, we only have today, right, Ray? That's Ray, yeah. the clamor right there. He clammed for a living for years. I love that. On drugs, right, Ray?
4: That sounds great. If well, I decide to go back out, I'll start clamming. I'll be a lesbian, too.
2: I, wow. I think uh, this is like a new attempt at doing bits in front of an audience like Jimmy Kimmel. Did you think it was okay?
4: Yeah, I think you're killing it. All right, good, I think you're killing it. Let's hear it for Chloe.
2: And we're good. Oh, and now we have Brer and John doing Brer's hit. Good morning, dope. now be honest how many of you guys actually ever watched Good Morning Dopey? Seriously you're all liars, fucking liars fucking lying fucking addicts and I want to give, I think Linda needs to give, get a round of applause for Linda my beautiful partner and my dad my dad in the back say hello very nice and um, you know like I have to say I thought it was gonna be very scary to do this. And I was, I mean, like, the fucking this month has been absurd. You know, I got I got COVID, Katz's sales were off the charts. I should check my phone because there's to be coming. Let's hear it for Jimmy. Jimmy, let's hear it for Jimmy <laughs> and Devin. My friends from high school and, and beyond. Um and they've been on Dopey too, both of them. Doesn't matter. I'm sure you guys, if you actually listened, you've heard Jim and Devin. Um Fucking Park City, COVID, and then this week has just been insomnia, DopeyCon, Right, Lynn? It's not been an easy week. It's been a rough week. I don't really need it, Jimmy. Thank you. Let's hear it for Jimmy again. <laughs> Did Jay make it? Is fentanyl Jay here? He didn't make it. Fucking Jay. When Jay comes in, it's going to be bad. Um, what was I going to say? There's a woman who wrote this incredible book. The book is called Undoing Drugs. I uh there's a guy who does a podcast. Oh god. His name is Ryan from Wisconsin, Don't Die Wisconsin. He's like you got to check out this book. It is the greatest book on harm reduction. The woman's name is Maya Solovitz and she's here. So why don't you come on up? <laughs> Thank you for coming.
6: Oh, uh, thank you so much for having me. This is the closest I've been to a meeting for many, many years.
2: Well, how does it feel? Good. Isn't it bigger than you thought it would be?
6: Um, I don't know.
2: It's bigger than I thought it would be.
6: It's excellent though. You've got a nice crowd.
2: Thank you. And uh, I was like checking out Maya and I've been reading her book and I've been and I and I went into the email because I was trying to figure out when we were going to talk and I found out that in 2016 Chris was emailing Maya, inviting her to come on the show. And, like, it kind of broke my heart when I saw that you had been in contact with Dopey. So I think that's cool.
6: Yeah, I mean, um, I don't know what happened. I hope I wasn't the one who flaked. I think you fucked up. Okay. Um, If that is the case, I apologize. No, no, I'm
2: sure
3: it was Chris. Come on.
2: (laughs) Um, It's
6: it's quite possible it was me.
2: (laughs) So I just think it's very beautiful that he reached out to you and that you're here now. And, um, you know, I think he would have really gotten a kick out of this whole thing. And I think we would have spent the whole time making fun of each other. Um, but uh, just the fact that he opened the door to you, and this book is all about harm reduction, undoing drugs, and people. a lot of people are talking about it. And my also writes for the New York Times about addiction, which is a big deal. Um, when I was using I loved it when people talked to me about harm reduction because I felt like, oh, I'm using and they call it harm reduction. <laughs> so can you break down what harm reduction is?
6: Sure. So um, harm reduction is the idea that we should care about stopping people from getting hurt rather than stopping them from getting high, and that recovery isn't necessarily defined by how many days you have or any of that stuff. It is defined by... Are you making any positive change? Are you working towards change? Because I think it's outrageous that um, you know you could have ten years and then you use for a day and then your ten years goes away. Like that doesn't go away. Like it's real. You experienced it. It happened. Um, so my proposal, which of course will never be adopted, is that if you um, have if you have ten years and you get ninety days back, you get your ten years back too. Who are you proposing this to? I don't know, but I think that... um...
2: (laughs) It's definitely not flying with Ray the Clamor. I know that.
6: (laughs) But anyway, um, harm reduction meets people where they are and says that you're valuable no matter what.
2: Well, that's a good thing. Ray the Clamor likes that. He likes that. And um, that was a really important point of our show, which is that, you know, like, when we started, I had four months, and I hated A.A. You know what I mean? And now I have seven years, and I'm kind of in between on the whole thing. No. Um, But, like, the idea was whatever you do, don't die. Have the best life you can. You know, uh, I remember there's a woman named Misty Janney who's a big Dopey fan. She She called herself the Dopey Fairy, and she was very, very interested in that phrase of meeting people where they are. I was always just about making a show. You know what I mean? And, like, and... And the fact that you're here talking about meeting people where they are, and really, it's about what kind of happiness can you have? And if you can have happiness, and use best of luck, I couldn't. Like I couldn't do it. So like, um, I want you guys to check out Maya's book. Maya's coming on Dopey in November. She was supposed to come last week, but it got got too crazy.
6: Yes. What else are you going? What
2: else is going on?
6: Oh gosh, I have just a crazy amount of travel in the next few weeks. I'm speaking at a recovery leadership thing in Minnesota, and then I have uh, the Harm Reduction Conference in Puerto Rico and some award in Memphis, and just it goes on. But um, I am working on my time stuff and uh, hopefully another book relatively soon.
2: Well, maybe you can write about dopey in the New York Times. There you go. but uh, wait, no, I don't want to be done yet. I wanted to ask you something else, which is when you go to a recovery convention and you're the harm reductionist, do you get shit? Like, who who gives you shit? Do people like Ray the clamor give you shit?
6: Well, until very recently, we were not even invited. Oh, no. Um, so, but I think there's actually, and actually I think this is one of the next things I'm writing about, um, the a lot of people realize that recovery is a spectrum and harm reduction is um, abstinence can be part of that spectrum. And so we don't have to fight each other. We can keep people alive while they are using, and we can help the ones who want to do 12-step, do 12-step, or to do smart recovery, or women for sobriety, or just go and work the hell out, um, whatever works. And so we're just sort of not about one true way. Um, And I would just like to mention that Katz's Deli had a very important part. In, I
2: read that part. Tell yeah, the story, please. So
6: basically, um, when we were fighting to get needle exchange legal in New York, um, ACT UP and John Parker, who was known as the Johnny Appleseed of needles because he went around giving them out, um, they, would, they planned an arrest um, on the Lower East Side um, in 1990. And the planning meeting right before they went to deliberately get arrested was at Katz's. And then they deliberately got arrested and um, eventually we won. It was an incredible um, trial. We proved that the um, uh, basically the needle laws were only good for uh, spreading bloodborne disease, um, that the states with the um, toughest needle laws had the worst Ivy IV drug use problems, and also the worst AIDS problems. So we wasn't doing anything. But anyway, this led to uh, needle exchange getting um, legal in New York and our Infection rate among IV drug users going from 50% to less than 3%.
2: Amazing. And come on, how many of you guys benefited from the needle exchange? Smiling Joe, I'm looking at you. Come on. Um, and what happened? There's something big in the book about it, the place across the street, too. The health center on Ninth Avenue, no? I remember in the beginning of the book. Oh,
6: that! Oh, my story, yeah. yes. Well, no, I was... Um, I. Oh, wow, I didn't realize that was here. Um, I... Um, somebody taught me to use bleach before needle exchange was available was it trump yes (laughs) trump
2: says inject bleach.
6: (laughs) and you know i wasn't ready to quit injecting at that point um and so when i um when i finally did um i had to wait a couple of years before i was ready to get tested because i definitely had shared before i started being safe And so I went to that clinic and you had to wait 10 days back in the day to get the results. And oh my God, those 10 days were like the worst 10 days of my life. And I went in there and the, you know, I was just like, I had sort of convinced myself, okay, I'm going to die. It's all over, whatever. Um, And I could tell the moment she walked in the room, she was smiling. So I didn't think she was an evil sadist who was going to say, yay, you have HIV. Um, So I, uh, yeah, and that... Um, I was with my sponsor and my mom, um, and we then um, went uh, and celebrated. But um, it took me a while to realize, like, oh, wow, I actually still have my life ahead of me.
2: It's amazing. And then it's amazing that we're across the street from there right now. Yes. So thank you so much for coming. I cannot wait to have you on the show properly and dive into Undoing Drugs. Check out Undoing Drugs. Let's hear it from Maya Salvis.
6: Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so
2: much. doing next what are we doing next you know I've been doing this show for a long time and I feel like I know so many of you guys and like I'm touched you know what I mean it's very touching to be in this situation with you guys so thank you all for coming again and I got to meet somebody else in person first time he came on the show who's that Ivan who's that I don't know who that is doesn't matter I can't see anything um who's that Jay Fucking Fentanyl J, shout out to fucking Fentanyl J. And Weeves, fucking late. Not surprising, though. Um, all right, so like years ago, right, Dopey was, you know, it was kind of happening. And me and Chris were in my dad's kitchen. And Chris was like, holy shit, Brandon Novak puts his number on Instagram. And I was like, let's call him. He's like, he's not going to answer it. And I went out on the terrace and I smoked a cigarette because I used to smoke cigarettes. And, uh, and we called Brandon. He's like, what's up? And it's fucking Brandon Novak on the phone. And uh, he was going to somebody's wake, which was very apropos. And he was like, he came on the show for five minutes, talked about some fucked up tattoos, sent in a picture of a fucked up tattoo. And then over the years, he's come on the show over and over again. And this summer, for the first time, he came to New York City he came to my dad's house incredibly dapperly, and uh, it was just so cool. And here he is again. So let's welcome the great Brandon Novak. You look good. What do you think about this professional talk show
7: business? I, uh, I drastically overestimated what tonight was going to look like in my mind i envisioned oh, i heard the dopey Khan awards i i envisioned uh, a banquet hall and and awards being giving out and and nice food <laughs> hence the outfit see this is so much more than i expected it to be so i think our expectations <laughs> can meet in the middle you're the yin to my yang i babe. figured
2: you'd be so i figured that, i figured you'd think nobody would be here but you came
7: so. i like you you like me? I like you. I like you, too. So I show up for you. Well,
2: I appreciate that. And, uh, man, what I think is super funny is you help people, and you were so fucked up. I don't know why I think that's funny. Do you ever think that's funny?
7: I think it adds to my credibility, so, like, a bunch of fuck-ups actually believe I know what I'm talking about.
2: Do you guys know what he's talking about? Like, do you, th- do you guys give Brandon Novak credibility for that? He fucking, that fucking change story you know where you fucking steal the change from your girlfriend's house have i bled you dry from all the greatest dopey stories
7: um they go for for days and days and days
2: do you have one a little one um, i know i'm putting you on the spot but i figure you're
7: here yeah um you gotta have to pull it out I mean, i'll pull go. it out of
2: you but first of all, I want you to tell the audience about what you're doing with Novak's house because so, you're helping people, right? Yeah. So
7: I've, you know, I've after 23 years of active addiction and like multiple attempts at trying to find and keep sobriety, God willing, it actually, it took and and am in a long-term sobriety. And I always vowed that when I got sober, I was going to recreate the sober living house that I lived in that did for me what no other place had done to this point, and. So around five years sober, I opened up the first Novak's house in Wilmington, Delaware, with ten beds. And today I have four houses with forty beds. But the why behind my 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 deal is that Cheer like, for that. come on, it's a big deal. Come on. If 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 you're anything like me and you're a fucking degenerate drug addict, we don't find our way into sobriety because we have like an ample amount of resources and finances. Like if you, I burn everything to the ground and then I kind of like am ready to get it together. So I vowed to use the platform I had created prior to sobriety with like Jackass and skateboarding and Viva La Bam to to raise money from like rich people people that were willing to give, and, and now I have just an abundance of scholarships available. So if I have a bed available and you're a male and you're willing to live in Wilmington, you can come to my sober living house.
2: Let me ask you something. That's beautiful. Let's hear it for Brandon one more time because that's
7: some beautiful shit. Um, because I don't believe, I don't believe that, that, that finance should be a deterrent as to why somebody can't find the continuum of care in a safe, secure, sober environment. And but, I don't like the fucking word, no, so we make it happen.
2: But be careful, because this audience, you're going to get like five people after this <laughs> and be like, I need a place to sleep tonight. <laughs> um, how fucked up is it for you, as someone who is out there, like as out there as you could really be, to have four houses? To take care of people to be fucking flying all over the place to speak on the the benefits do you ever get imposter syndrome or like who the fuck am i kind of feeling
7: well i think externally i might be viewed as kind of a a guy who knows what's going on but to put in perspective i'm a 43 year old man who just got his first ever driver's license two years ago so i was really disconnected from reality um and I try, you know, in the last week, I've, I've been in Aspen, to Boston, to San Diego, to Fort Lauderdale, and believe it or not, I flew in today specifically for this, and then I fly out to Greece tomorrow morning. Um, I'm a busy guy, but like, I, I really know and keep up front that without sobriety, all that shit fits into a cooker and a, right into my arm.
2: Do you ever feel, though, like, do you have that feeling, like, I can't believe this is my life? Do you, and how often do you look? Because we both, I mean, you just got seven years over the summer, right? Or before that? Yeah, May. Yeah, and I got seven years in August, so I think that makes us very connected. Yeah. Same summer. <laughs> uh, and, like, when you walk past people using, like, because you probably, I guess, how in touch with people in the houses are you? Like, how often are you, like, really dealing?
7: I was there today. I flew into Philly, and I was home for, like, three hours before I came here, and an hour and a half of that three was spent at my sober houses, like, checking in with the guys and, and seeing what's going on. And, and you know, just, right, the, the the demographic that we deal with, if you're anything like me, I'm fucking defiant by nature, I hate authority, and I refuse to conform because I know everything. So when you suggest, Dave, what I should do to get sober, I suggest why you should fuck off. That's because fair. I know, right? So So it's just like a... It's a used car salesman, sleight of hand kind of card trick. I, I, I try to deliver my message in a form of, uh, you know, that you find so desirable, so appealing, so attractive that you like want to fuck it. Uh-oh. Right? If, if, if you can want what I have that bad and are willing to do whatever it takes to get it, then you'll excel at a rapid pace. But it has to become your idea. So it's through attraction rather than promotion. And-
2: I, have, I have a fucked up question. I want you to answer Shocker. honestly. An honest, honest answer. When you do this stuff, like what's the like what's the worst thing that goes through your head? Like people criticize you here and there. Like yeah. do you ever let it get to you? Like when, when if I get a bad review, I'm like my, my head's in the oven, smashing my head in the door, or whatever. Like and you're much more public than I am, and you're much more, you know, in the public eye.
7: So the juxtaposition there with what my take is of people's perspective of me is that almost eight years ago i was um, fucked trying to fuck my mother while i was detoxing from xanax because i thought she was just a random woman in my bed right that can um, happen to anybody brandon that's an honest mistake i was uh openly willingly and excitingly allowing men to blow me to get more heroin but you get blow jobs i at one point, I was living with a gay man in East Baltimore, and I would let him shave my asshole for $10. Okay, I got nothing for that. So it's like... <laughs> free rent and 10 bucks. All he wanted to do was shave my asshole. I don't know about you, but that was a win-win for me. <laughs> so, like, when you come from that... Neighborhood to then getting sober and worried about what like someone might say to me on the internet, it's like, fuck, come on, man. So it doesn't get to you ever? No. Never? No. I don't believe it. Never? Well, it, it gets to me when, when, when people question my, my sincerity and think that I, I do this to make a dollar. That, that upsets me a little bit. Of course. It does. You're but, allowed yeah, to Yeah, like upset. Th- Everyone gives a fuck to an extent. But it just depends to what level you know but when people question my intentions for why i do what i do that's upsetting but what i've learned is that you will never win i'm not a debater i could give a shit less and the moment i engage to try to change the outcome of their question i'm as guilty as they're you know accusing me to be
8: so it's just i get it
2: and i think you've answered that question very honestly do you well, feel thank com- you, Dave. Do you feel comfortable? <laughs>
7: sure. We got him in the nice spot. We got him. Did you see the spot? Did you go to the hotel? No, nah, I haven't had fucking time, Dave. Did you hear anything I just shared with you? I just figured, I don't, I don't know what you're doing. I, the hotel is nice. Fuck. You know who else is in the hotel with you? Who would that be?
2: Your boy, Andy Roy.
7: Yeah. Who, who also <laughs>
2: often doesn't give a fuck. So let's hear it for Andy Roy. Andy, come on down. Yeah. Where's
7: fucking Andy? This is my guy Look at this guy If you don't believe in miracles, take a look at Andy fucking Roy
2: I like a little pressure drop for Andy Roy Um, dude, Andy, Andy fucking I pick up Andy at the airport And we have a magical journey Welcome to DopeyCon Thank you. Thank you for having me. Let's hear for Andy again. Why not? I took Andy to the smoothie place. I got him the mango, pineapple, banana, spinach, quality smoothie. Oh, it was great. Thank
9: you very much.
2: And we wandered through Manhattan, and we get to uh, Washington Square Park. Yes. And he, he was like, oh, shit, this is Washington Square Park.
9: Yeah, it's a rad park, so... I say it? Yeah,
2: tell, he tells me this story, and I was like, "You got to tell this story at, at the show." And Brandon, interrupt him if you've heard it before, though. Okay.
9: Yeah. So uh, my my first skateboard trip was to New York with uh, a couple, Cardi, join Julian, and Tobin, and we we're on food stamps. We got a bunch of canned foods like raviolis, whatever, and we just hit the road, drove to New York, and uh, we were staying with Larry Clark. From the movie Kids. Larry Clark from Kids. Where some of that movie was filmed at was at that part. But anyways, we were staying at his place, and uh, we were skating, me and Joel were at his house, and we're like, let's go hit the streets, skate around, and just go check out New York. And uh, we ended up stopping at the liquor store, buying a bottle of wine, and we go to Washington Square Park. We're kicking it, and we're watching all Jamaicans selling weed and doing their thing and then all of a sudden from every exit cops were raiding the park they're busting all the people selling weed they they jammed us up they're like dump your bottle of wine get out of here now as we're like leaving i look over and there's like a dude getting escorted like walking out and uh but yeah, like a bunch of cops around him, and i'm like who is this? i'm like It was fucking David Lee Roth getting arrested for buying like a nickel bag of weed. It was crazy. But I love, he's like one of my, Ben Halen's one of my all time favorite bands or whatever, but he got, it was fucking David Lee Roth getting arrested.
2: So I remember the headlines. So it was a, a good little memory when we were walking through there. You had like three or four stories back to back to back when we were walking. But Brandon, how cool is it for you to have, I mean, like you were so psyched Andy was gonna be here and I was like, I wanna get them up together to hear about like some Andy Brandon shit. So when you see Andy, what pops into your head first?
7: And as I said before it, it like, it proves to me that God's real, right? And I know this isn't like an AA sober kind of fucking thing. I'm not really sure what's going on here to tell you the truth. <laughs> But um, I've known Andy for years. Uh, I, I knew him from afar and then we became really close, connected friends and I knew he struggled with addiction and, and incarceration and kind of a wash, rinse, repeat and just became like really institutionalized. And, um, and, and a series of events took place where we, should I get into that story? Yeah, we went, I went to do an intervention on my friend Bam and it's not a private story because it's in the public. and 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 andy had taken to living at bam's house at the period of time and we went to do an intervention on bam and he really didn't want any part but i looked at andy and and he was fucking defeated and i'm like you want it and he's like yeah (laughs) i was like take me please please so i sent him to treatment and and um this is the product of that he's fucking a completely changed man and like he's a productive man he's like a a reliable friend and we've done tours together we skate together and we kind of work well with each other and play off of each other's you know past but more so the present of of who we've been blessed to be today which are like sober rad skaters just living the day to the fullest man so when I see him I get so excited.
2: What yeah it's awesome with uh I'm not a skateboarder But like, what was Andy known for in in his heyday, like for skating? Being a
7: fucking menace to society, uh, to any and everybody. If he liked you, he wanted to fight you. If he didn't like you, he wanted to fight you. Um, (laughs) You know, he just liked to get the party going wherever, whenever, with whomever. And and more importantly, with people that weren't willing participants. Those are the ones he really gravitated to.
2: So you guys, you guys never got high together.
7: No, no, we never party together.
2: That's interesting. And it reminds me of that fucked up story you told me with the fucking food truck. Menace to society story. Yeah, dude,
9: I, I just like... My kind of fun is different than everybody else's. <laughs> I like to light
2: people's heads on fire. Uh, you're I gonna just make my dad, You're going to make my dad nervous. So he doesn't do this anymore.
9: I changed my way, I swear. I'm not, But yeah, I just like to call it Whatever I did, I was going to jail. Like, that's... Was my goal? Like, I'm going to get arrested. <laughs> this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to play a game. I'm going to play tag with the cops, and they're going to have to catch me. I'm going to hop fences and see how fast they can run. You know?
7: That's but, his definition of fun. No, tell that story.
9: Oh, so we're staying at Larry yeah. Clark's house, yeah. and he had been sober for, like, I don't know, 20-something years. He was a heroin addict, not drinking, and we ended up, like, he wanted to show us out. So we're like, let's go to the strip joint. And he's like, I know one right down the street. So we go down the street and we're drinking. And He's relapsed. He ended up relapsing <laughs> with drinking you. with us. Yeah. Like <laughs> 25 it was so years bad. Yeah, it was bad. He we didn't push him a lot. He just seen how much fun we were having. And these guys, these guys are rad. I'm gonna drink with them. I guess that's what I got from it. But so we get out of the strip joint and it was a little slow, so I was just like. I'm going to go get a beer. I got a 40-ouncer. Back when you drank 40 ounces, and I bought a 40-ouncer. And we're walking down the street. I think I took, like, one sip out of it. And I seen one of those, like, catering trucks with a 40 food, food, food
8: truck. Food truck. Street cart truck, whatever. But
9: he was, like, flying down the street, like, womp. And I'm like, man, this, he has no con- no care for anybody. I'm like, I'm going to make him slow <laughs> down. So I hid behind the car, and then, like, he was like, Ass. and it's like you got like a car in front of like I just jumped out and threw the 40-ouncer in his front windshield as he's driving and he like Arr! and he just starts gasping and tries to run me over down the street I'm hopping over cars hide underneath the car he gets out looking my buddy Cardiel and these guys threw a bottle at him and chased them off but, but it was just always destruction every time I was drinking or using drugs like I just wanted to cause the worst trouble I could, and just try and get arrested, I guess.
7: I but love that what ignited this confrontation is that the food truck driver had no care for anyone. Yeah, no, yeah. he had it coming, he's the law, he's he like gonna throw Pett. a 40 ounce at his head while the rest of them beat the fuck out of him. Andy had a sense of, of justice. Humanitarian of the year right here. Exactly. <laughs> After getting someone with 20 years to relapse that night.
2: Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's the best part of the story. Yeah. And I wonder where Larry Clark is now, right? Wonder he, he's like. still
9: around. I think he's
2: taking photos and doing his
9: thing. I, I don't know if he's still making the movies, but I know he's made a few. But, you know, that a kids, photographer.
2: kid's is a crazy, dopey classic. Yeah. And Andy like, Andy, like I never met before the other morning. And I was like, fuck. Because I, I got up at like 5 in the morning. I took the Long Island Railroad to Jamaica. I took the air train to Terminal 5 JetBlue. And then I meet Andy. And we had this magical morning, and you were like, This is what it's all about. And I was like, You're right. Yeah, it was cool just to take a walk with you and just and talk and get to
9: you know, because we never met in person. So it was neat just to cruise through the city.
2: Is and it good to be back in New York? I love New York, it, it's the best. What did you do all day? I was worried about you yesterday. What did you do? I,
9: I just roamed around and ate some food. And I just, I people watched. I just like to trip on people. I'm, I always like to catch the sketchy, shady stuff. and just like, that was me right there, that person. But
8: Did you I'm, see anything good?
9: Nah, not too much. No one lighting, like, heads on fire and nothing
2: like right. that. No one's throwing fucking 40s at food carts. No, right no,
9: no, nothing like that. But it's cool. I just walked around and just checked it out.
2: And you, uh, you want to do inspirational talks?
9: Yeah, I just, like... I, I, I like to help people that are struggling and just been through it like we all have and just like, I don't know, like, like to see Novak, you know, I've known him for years and like, he, 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 been through some crazy stuff and skating and for him to get clean. I was like a little click, you know, because I've never really been to rehab before that. Like when I, in my 20s, like jail, like you could go to jail, like Prop 36 where you go from jail to, to rehab and, uh, I was like, all right, I've been doing this jail thing for long. I'm going to go check out this rehab. I lasted like a week. I got street and dope, and I got kicked out. So then years went by and into my addiction, and uh, I ended up meeting Bam, and like he was saying, I went out there to get away from heroin. He's like, Bam, like, come out here and get, get away from, like, the opiates. I don't do opiates, but there was drinking involved and other things, and I ended up finding it out there. And then when when Novak came out to to how about Bam and, you know, like, to take me. And just to see, like, how far he's come, it's, a, it's motivating, like, it's, it's, it's cool, you know? Like, you're helping people If was too. in the gutter and he could get out, I want some of that, you know? So it's cool. And then it's just motivating. So if you could pass that on, it's good, man, because I don't wish this on nobody. It's, it's nobody. It's, it's, people are dying out there. And, uh, dude, we only live once, man. We got to live our life to the fullest. All right, that's how I feel, man. I want to live. I wake up in the morning. I take that first breath. I'm all, it's on. You know what I mean? I want to go do
2: shit, whatever. Have fun. And the new Rip Ride or Die podcast is coming out. Yeah. You're going to yeah. get Brandon on that thing? Yeah, of course. Of You're going to do the Rip Ride or Die podcast? Absolutely. Yeah, all right, man. cool. So, uh, I, I'm so happy you guys came. Is there anything else you guys want to say? I don't want to miss any cool skater talk. Like who? Like who? I like, want to hear some more cool skater talk. Is there? Is am I What am I missing? Now that you have set it up that way, it's nothing not cool. you say
7: is gonna be cool. It's not cool. You fucked yourself.
2: Tell Brandon how swanky the hotel is, though. That's a Oh, it's a
9: nice sp- hotel. Right? Nicer than like the ones I, the hourly ones I've been at. Yeah, I don't know, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's super nice. I'm uncomfortable when I walk in. I'm like they're thinking <laughs> I'm sneaking in there to break into rooms or something.
7: Oh, I know the the last great memory I had of New York City is is we ended up in the Gucci store and Andy and I and he'd never been yeah. in, he's like I've never been in a Gucci store in my life. I do not want to be here like take me away. <laughs>
9: wow, I was uncomfortable the security guard was staring at me I'm like I'm just sitting here I went to touch the shoes and I like, I'm like oh, you didn't no,
2: want no, to touch the I shoes like, like, oh. yeah oh that's bad. But- Dude, I'm so glad you guys came. Let's hear it for fucking Brand Brandon and Andrew. Thank you guys so much. I don't know what to say. Thank that. you. How you feel? Good. Okay. Take it, go. Let's hear it again for these guys.
1: More pressure drop. Now
2: we used to play that song in high school. Fucking. But my, you know, I, I invited a kid from my high school band, and he didn't make it. So next time, Peter Loshak will be here and do pressure drop. <laughs> Nick. And Nick is an, another seven-year person. Everybody, everybody who got sober. is anyone else here got sober seven years ago? Fucking Professor Sarah Buck Dowd. Let's hear it for Professor. Who's that behind you? Is that Monique behind you? Monique what is what's happening? It's so funny, like, to walk... Monique, it's so funny to, like, you know, how many of you have seen each other online, and then you know them. It's, like, weird, right? It's weird. Um, we didn't give a big shout-out to Brady. Where's Brady? Let's hear it for Brady Pat. My whole plan was to start the show, and it was gonna be like Bedlam, like the MTV Music Awards, and Brady was gonna come out, but I feel like I should've given him a proper introduction. So Brady Peck won the DopeyCon theme song. Song. Don't tell anybody, but I heard Ray Brown wrote the song. Don't tell Mark. Where, is Mark F here? Where's Mark F? Ray, stand up, Mark F. He's a finalist. Let's hear it from Mark. Ray Brown did not write his song. Let's make that clear. Let's hear it for fucking Ray Brown. And uh, Ray, you're going to do your song, Dopey Con 2? You want me to help you set up? Let's hear it for Ray one more time. Let's hear it for fucking Rocks. She showed up at DopeyCon Stone. Are you high for DopeyCon Con 3? She's not high, let's hear it for Roxanne, come on.
0: So, I was just sitting there realizing almost everyone in this room has heard me have a mental breakdown and cry. <laughs> <laughs> So, look, three years ago, Dave invited me to go to West Virginia, and back then, my policy was to say yes to everything.
2: It's changed, right? It's
0: changed. Yes. Um, so, we recorded a show there, and, and then Dave told me about DopeyCon, and I was like, what the fuck is DopeyCon? And then just a few weeks later, I wound up playing DopeyCon, and um, I was just thinking back of when I met Dave at this weird place called Cat Weasel, and... Like, I was like, this is a special guy. And we sat we had a, sat on the stoop, had a long conversation. And shortly after that, we took a subway, long subway ride out to Brooklyn to his gig. And they gave him a drink ticket. And he's like, I think I'm gonna get a beer. And I was like, if you get a beer, you might buy heroin. And I snatched that drink ticket away from him and I got myself a beer. And a couple years later I texted Dave I am like are you still going to 12 step meetings? And he's like sort of, why? And I was like I think I have a problem. And Dave said have you ever been to the crossroads? I'm like many times. And I think he was high. He might have been high. I wasn't high. Well he was much more interested in the crossroads than my recovery. In a motel room West Virginia, you told me about DopeyCon. Then we drove up to Quincy's house and the rest is history, oh, but history's unwritten.
10: By the time
0: I got to DopeyCon, there was 100 people strong. They told me to wait in the game room and I was freaking out because I thought they were going to put me in rehab. I thought, what the fuck have I signed up for? But then Cormac the did the sound. The whole night opened up and revealed itself, and everybody there just got it. When we sang good, so bad, I almost cried. Oh, the hugeness and the smallness, all oh, cat wheels with the counts is to hear tonight. I looked over at you, in the eye of cruel. crew. I said to Alan, it's a miracle they've made it through. And that he was able, from a kitchen table, or a sofa with crisp oh, and cilantro. Through the fish tank bubbles, Crickets in the yard, laughing at the tales of coming down so hard. And I was coming down too. True love wasn't true. And all the super in the world couldn't help, so I turned to all of you. Hey Dave, I've never licked a toilet seat. I've never even approved the prayer. My sponsor doesn't approve of any of this. What the fuck? I don't care,
1: so
0: bless up for the bliss and fucking toodles for Chris. Up there in heaven looking down at all of this. Pray for us all. This world can be scary. and Please, God, please let Dave out of the deli. This is how the church gets made. This is how the bricks get laid. This is how a fucking dopey cop song gets played. Fucking Ray. Right. Fucking Wait, 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 wait.
2: Ray, 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 come back You have to admit, this is bigger than you thought it was going to be. Yes, much
0: bigger.
2: And you're saying that that never happened with the toilet seat? I,
0: no, I told you what happened.
2: Okay, what about the, what about, so I'm not going to say anything. Let's hear it for Ray Brown. Fucking <laughs> Ray, dude, this song breaks my heart. Can you hear me? You can't hear me. Ray, I love you. I love you more.
9: Dave, what's up? It's already Lang. How you doing, you sick stalker? I heard you started the Dopey Foundation to help addicts and their families. I heard on October first is your first event and the convention, DopeyCon.
8: I'd like to welcome Dopey Nation to DopeyCon. That's right, Dopey Nation. Welcome to DopeyCon from David Mannheim and all the people at Dopey Podcast.
9: Listen, this is uh, you're doing God's work, and it's something that's impressive. So listen. It's Artie Lang. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling strong. And David's a good guy, man. I've known him for a while now. And DopeyCon sounds like a cool event. So Dopey Nation, welcome
2: to DopeyCon. Fucking Artie. I only had to pay $156 for that message. But let's hear it for Artie. Maybe next year he'll be here. Next year in Jerusalem with Artie Lang. Um, what was I supposed to say? I don't remember anything I'm doing it ever. Oh, yeah. Let's hear it for fucking Pink Cloud, one of our sponsors. And where's DJ? That's Don, a.k.a. DJ. Fucking stole the Vicodin bottle. Fucking relapsed on fentanyl recently, but now he's back, staying strong. Let's hear it for DJ. Come on. I, I have to say that a lot of our, our, our business success is directly due to DJ's hard work. So thank you. you. Fucking do it up. You gotta work harder though now. Get back to the grindstone. Gotta get this brand bigger. You gotta get the brand bigger. And let's hear it for Tara. Where's Tara? And the Your Sober Buddy people. Tara, let's hear it for Sober Buddy. What Sober Buddy you might wanna know? It's an app. It's a fucking sober buddy in your pocket. If you want to like get sober, use the app. I wasn't gonna do an ad. But I'm gonna do a little ad. And then go say hi to Tara and get a little stuffed animal sober buddy guy, a uh, a plushie. And Nat Kingsley, let's hear it for Nat Kingsley from Recovery in the Middle Ages. I fucking torment Nat every week, and he's really a good guy. So let's let's hear it for Nat. All right. Um. We have a bunch of stuff. you know. I want to make another announcement. Right here, when I was a kid, I grew up on this street. I grew up on the other side of this block. It was kind of the nicer side of the block. And when I grew up, I hated Long Island. Fucking hated Long Island. And uh, I made fun of Long Island. My friends are amazed that I live on Long Island. I tell them I like Long Island now. Because it's not as, you know, the Long Island that I grew up hating was like strip mall Long Island. I didn't realize the, the good people on Long Island, the nautical folk, like Jojo and Ray the Clamour, and his Sponsee Kevin, and Smiling Joe, and Anita and Kevin, and Evan from Good Morning Dopey. Did you hear for Evan? And where the fuck is Fentanyl J? He's somewhere. Fentanyl J will be back on the show eventually, God willing. And Tom, Tom, my fucking sponsee with 26 years, the best sponsee in the world. Um now I had a meeting I went to every day here, and then I stopped going to meetings for a long time, and Chris stopped going to meetings. And um, we know what happened, you know? He wound up going out and overdosing and dying, and I was fucked, and I needed to go to a meeting. And I went to some meetings in the middle of the day, and I was not impressed, and then I found this meeting at eight o'clock in the morning on the beach. It's called the Beach Bums. And I met and I went. Let's hear it for Beach Pumps, come on. Nice, look at John's
3: getting
0: into it.
2: Um, and the first day I was there, I think I shared about Chris and I shared about heroin and I shared a little bit about my story and you know, nobody likes crosstalk, but I think Smiling Joe shared shortly after to make me feel comfortable and he told he mentioned some similarities and, I, and it made me feel immediately at home. And I wound up going to that meeting and, you know, sometimes I go at least three days a week, sometimes not, right? My attendance has been a little, little spotty of late, but it's, you know, it's busy. But more importantly, Smiling Joe came on the show and killed it. The legendary fucking episode. And uh, the other day, right, we celebrate anniversaries on the last Sunday of the month and Smiling Joe was celebrating 27 years. And what did he say? He said, I'm going to this dopey thing, and I'm the dopiest dope of dopey. So let's hear it, because Smiling Joe is going to speak now. Let's hear it for Joe. Come on.
11: Hi, my my name is Joe. I have no plan. He just told me I have no plan. You know, I, I rarely ever spoke out of a microphone because the way I lived my life, I tried to stay under the radar from six years old on. Truth officers looked for me, cops looked for me, so I didn't go around with a microphone. You know? and I, was, I always, even when like my drug, my, my drug started, I was listening to the young guys speaking, and, and it's like a whole different generation because I'm like 72 years old. And I go back to re- my first, one of my first rehabs was in Manhattan at Beth Israel Hospital <laughs> in the 60s. And, and the detox plan and rehab plan was just like this, no plan, Yeah.
2: You know? <laughs> There's a big plan here, Joe. What do you mean no plan? No, it's
11: and, all planned out. I'm making it up, I'm making it up, and and, uh, and and I'll tell you, it, you know, like all the humor we had about the drug addiction, and there's tons of it. We're crazy, we're funny, you know. But uh, sometimes I have trouble with it because some close people die, you know. Lots, of, I mean, I got family, friends, the whole family's wiped out, you know. And, and uh, I think, uh, and I, I love what that guy Novak had to say about it, how it comes to the door and he gets in. That's the criteria. In New York City, I always hear the criteria. We have a criteria. I says... The criteria is if you turn this person away, there's a good chance they're gonna to die tonight or tomorrow. <clears throat> you know, I remember when uh, you know, I evolved with this whole recovery program, because back in the 60s, there was none. There wasn't. Uh, you couldn't even, I mean, I was, <clears throat> I call myself an alcoholic addict. I was a heroin addict. True and true, it was my first drug of choice. But it didn't stop there, because this disease evolves, you know. Like when he, uh, heroin got scarce, I would get on methadone. It just got too exhausting chasing the heroin. And then when, the, when methadone, <coughs> my experience with methadone, I, I injected it, you know, because uh, I, I met all the, guy, all the young guys and my neighbors, all got tattoos. And I said, I never got one. I said, it wasn't because I was afraid of needles. <laughs> <laughs> I, I says if heroin and cocaine came in colours, I look like the American flag. <laughs> but, uh, so so anyway, i it, it's uh, I was thinking about like, you know the 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 humor and the pain. They they go together. Every one of us knows it, you know. And it's like uh, I think I, I had two young sponsees that was at a meeting with them in the daytime and went at night, and they both went home and died that night. You know, and we know that heartbreaking stuff, you know. Like if fentanyl was around in my time, I wouldn't be here. You know, if fentanyl was so, all the kids that I, I knew, they weren't even shooting it, they were snorting it. It's that powerful, so I would've been gone decades ago. Uh, and, uh, and I'm here not through any great plan of mine. You know, uh, I'm a big meeting maker. I'm very active in my locale, in my circle of groups and people. I'm, that's where I'm the most effective, you know? And, and, uh, and I love it, you know? I, I, and the nature of this disease, <laughs> I make people laugh sometimes, because I go to my home group, which can be quite big. I have a couple of home groups. And uh, so many people come up to me and say, I love you, I love you, you know? Guys, girls, I love you. I wake up the next morning and I say, nobody loves me. You know? It's like the tank gets empty overnight, you know? And uh, and that's where the daily reprieve that I live by comes in. I, I must stay active. I love helping people, but I love the way it makes me feel. I say I would not, I wouldn't be clean and sober. And just to say how, I started drinking and drugging around 11 years old, on 1961, I didn't surrender till 95, you know? And the fellow said, he just got his license back but after two years. I went 23 years without a license. Never stopped driving. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, well, in my, first of all, a lot of it in my neighborhood, which, which happened to be South Ozone Park and Ozone Park, uh, I was a little fish in a big pond. You had the good fellows over here, you had the guys over there, and you had people like me in the middle. So, so when they would stop me, you know, in eastern New York or somewhere, the cops would get out and say, you got a weapon? I say no, and that was the end of it. Then they asked me for a license. You have a weapon. <laughs> and, uh, and for whatever reason, the cop, the local cops knew me growing up, and they knew the situation at home. Like most of us aren't born crazy. There's a reason we do what we do, you know. And uh, but once the addiction takes over, that other stuff don't even matter no more. The issues why I picked up in the first place didn't even matter anymore. Uh, <coughs> Especially heroin. Like, I like to say, I loved heroin, and I, and I explained it to the addicts that I talked to. And I said, What did it feel like the first time you shot heroin? And, and that time, I'll tell you what it felt like. It felt like you kissed God. And, and the, the addicts, some alcoholics had the same experience with alcohol, but a lot of people had it with heroin. And uh, how do you replace that feeling? How do you replace that feeling? What, what what in life feels like you kissed God? A new car don't feel like that, you know? A girlfriend only feels like that for a short period in the <laughs> car. You know? uh, and and uh, nothing could replace that. What ultimately replaced it was learning how to kiss God with, without jokes, Because that's the experience I get. I said i like go into a room and 20 people hug me and love me. And, and I see that. Like with Fet and Jay here, and I, Benton J, I went to spoke at a rehab. It was very really powerful stuff for me, you know. Uh, I went to speak at at a at a hospital St. Charles. And and his impression, he sees me up there, he says, Oh, what's this born old alcoholic gonna tell me? You know. <laughs> and then I shared my s- story, and he came out in the hall after the meeting and he said, You know, I was I was gonna leave today. He says, I'm not leaving. He says it if a sick bastard like you can get better, I'm, I'm going to stay, <laughs> you know? And that, that stuff is so powerful to, to, to make a difference along the way. And I, you talk about a guy, well, I didn't care about anybody for decades. Did, you know, like, I don't even say I As the most, uh, what do you call it? Abusive relationship you can have. It's, that's just what it is. I used to look at these boys and say, how could you stay in a relationship? The guy comes home, and beats the shit out of you, ba-ba-ba, he buys you flowers, you have sex, and he does it again, he does it again. I said, that was my addiction. The heroin drug made me feel, ah, I love you, you know? And then it kicked the living shit out of me, you know? And then I do it again and again. And the reason I did it again and again, I had no solution, no alternative, you know? And, uh, Eventually, I was. Uh, I st- how I stayed alive was just God's will. I don't know whose will. You know, I used to think it was because I was a good addict, a good street addict, No, no, it was just blessings. Look, I don't know, but it wasn't my wonderful thinking. <laughs> yeah. You know? And uh, when I surrendered to the program, and started life all over at forty-five years old. I said, you know what I know about life? Nothing. You know. Uh, And and I said, teach me. I got humble and I I made, I got a relationship with a higher power that I wanted nothing to do with, you know? And I said, maybe I'm wrong there too. And then I had to come to a point where I realized I was wrong about everything in my life, you know? And uh, I started to trust the 12 steps, higher power, and most of all, I started to trust love. Because love was out. I never said I love you to another person all those years, you know, because I, I could relate. To, I'd be lying, you know. But when I surrendered to the to the loving God Spirit, whatever we got, like this, this group. Look at the awesome power. we're all laughing. We got a share thing, and, and it's all going to help the hopeless, you know. Like I always tell my sponsors in New York, I tell them, look, if you're waiting. For 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 the system to get you sober, kiss your ass goodbye. People that care with their hearts and souls like these people—that's different. It's a lot more powerful, honest. I love the idea. Go. The only criteria: go to. I'm an addict. I need help. Let me in. Boom. I think that's awesome. Yeah, and I wish it was more of it. But New York is not. You gotta jump through hoops, have coverages. uh, Have uh, my friend's daughter was waiting from one to get from one place to another, didn't have the bed ready a few days, and she was dead, in between, you know? So, anyway, he wanted a funny story, so I'll give you one funny story. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure I have lots, but I can't just pull them out of hand. hat, you know? Uh, one funny one was me and my friend used to wake up every day, 18, 19 years old, and, and support, them, do our heroin practice. And uh, so I'd go over to my friend Eddie's house, and he'd be the type, like,
1: oh, oh. <laughs>
11: I can't get up. I said, Eddie, this is the way it is. I says, out there is our dope. And out there is the money to get the dope. I says, they ain't going to deliver. <laughs> so, so he would get up, and we would go steal my father's car from, from the train station, and, and uh, we would find out. We're going to get some money today. We always had a different day, different plan. And uh, so, so as we're driving, uh, and we come to a loading dock in a factory and I see a, a box on the dock. I stop on the brake. I say, hey, stay, I'll, I'll go get it. I go get this box. I go in, I go in the car. <laughs> and we pull off to the side. I'll be done in a minute. <laughs> I, I, I pull over to the side and uh, Open the box. It's size 52 silk bloomers. <laughs> and and, and, I, and I got I got a big box of them. So I bring them over to the local fences. You know. Guy opens it up and, and he says, "Whoa, what the fuck? Parachutes!" <laughs> he he bought them. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how I don't know how long Dave wants me to stay up here. Can you? He just, he, he just went somewhere.
2: You're good, Joe. Are you kidding me? Let's hear it for Joe. I love this story. It's good parachute story. And uh, another thing, though, before Joe, Joe, before you uh, go, I love it when when Joe is on the show. He talked about that guy Eddie a lot and i think that kind of relationship like when you have a friend that you go you're using with you got clean with they go out whatever it reminded me of, of dopey and the spirit of it and it reminds me of this and and uh what happened to eddie he died how did he die
11: uh well actually he was shooting cocaine he, he had a miracle recovery he got lost he was a psychiatrist. psychologist he ended up uh shooting coke again drinking vodka and he got a uh, brain and that uh, was in.
2: But I know that whenever you talk about it, you get that look, the same kind of look that I get when I talk about Todd or Chris or that any of you get when you talk about your people and I, it just always warms my heart. And thank you for doing oh, this yeah. job. Now, the Katz's guys are outside, but we're not eating yet. Can somebody help my friend Devin? Bring him in, so anybody that can help, Please help them. Um, And now we're doing, what's up? Yeah, I know, Lewis, I know what we're doing. Are you had a We had a a last-minute cancellation. Chris's sister was going to come, and then we had a last-minute replacement, which is Annie. So let's hear it for Annie. (laughs) Annie, who's pregnant with another man's child, (laughs) by the way.
5: I'm sure Chris is really happy about it. I'm that.
2: sure he's, he's enjoying this.
5: Um, now,
2: I think it's important to kind of speak for him a little bit. And I think, you know, before he died, you, you know, you were him. You know, you guys were like John and Yoko, ending the Beatles, which was dopey. Yes. So yes. Um, I want you to, to help us to remember Chris in a proper way. And I, I'm so happy you're here and you of wanted course. to do it.
5: I'm very happy to be here. Um, I was actually before coming to stage, I was thinking a lot about the last few months with Chris, and every night, uh, we would talk about work and he th- the thing that he was doing at the time that he enjoyed the most was dopey. He felt that it would really make a difference, that he could really connect. He didn't like the traditional ways of getting clean that you know where you you have to feel shame about all the crazy fucked up shit you did when you were high. Um, I just want you guys to have an idea of what our first date was like. On our first date he took me out to an Italian restaurant in Boston and he just straight up told me that he had been in jail uh, on our first date. And then he told me why he got in jail. Uh, They put him in jail because He uh, was high, and he just remembered going into a veterinarian office, asking for phenobarbital, Phenobarbital. and saying that his cat was having seizures. Um, I think it's safe to say most women would like this man is insane. Uh, But first but it got
2: you. It's classic. That junkie story, I was in jail, I assaulted a veterinarian technician to get phenobarbital <laughs> for my fake cat, and you're like, I love you. Let's yes. Home.
5: Yes. Because Chris, um, I just remember that he dropped me off home from this date, and I just kept thinking, man, I wish the date would have lasted longer. Um, he had this way about him that he was such an authentic, honest, uh, good human. He he wore his heart on his sleeve and he just really wanted to give back. And he was always so kind. And he will always say to me that the most important thing for him was to make sure that he left something in this world that would help other people. And I really think he did that. And he would be so proud of to see what Toby had become. And we will always talk about the fact that, you know, we lived in Boston and he would drive after he was getting his, uh, his clinical psychology degree at the time. So after a full week of work and, and school, he would drive to New York for three and a half hours, four hours, just to uh, do dopey with, with Dave and then drive back. Um, I came with him plenty of times.
2: We actually went out today. We went to lunch in that barbecue place that oh, yeah. we went to lunch in and we sat at they put us at the same table and I was yeah. like, woo, spooky. <laughs> you know? The same table? Same table.
5: What did you order? Because last time I remember you or Chris order uh, wings.
2: That's weird. No, yeah. I, I got the barbecue chicken sandwich today. It was delicious. Okay,
5: good. good. And um
2: it's funny because he never See, I, I never wanted the show to help anybody. Like, I'm just, I'll be honest. I, I didn't care. He did not. You know, I, I, I... Chris was
5: all about, let's help, and he's like, no, I just want to be famous. No, I, ju- I just
2: want to make this show. <laughs> I just want to make the show. And if we start making a show that's set to help people, it's going to suck, and no one's going to get any help. And then Chris came up with the Rope-A-Dope, yes. which is you, you rope them in with the debauchery, and they kind of get the recovery through asmosis. Correct. And um, I think he was trying to impress you because he always told me he didn't get...
5: He went... Chris wanted... Chris's big plan... He secretly wanted to be famous too. Uh,
2: secretly, you think? Come on. Chris? Fucking... Chris also wanted to turn Dopey into a sober coaching business and a halfway house business. Yeah. And I was like, let's just make the show. Come on. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm about to start my sober coaching business and cash in. Coaching. ching <laughs> um, But... Uh, I know that uh, he would love this, and I know that he would love that you came pregnant with another man's child. (laughs) And I know, what?
5: He would spend, uh, by the way, he would spend hours every day going through all the comments that you guys would leave. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah, he he loved it.
2: And he loved when people talked shit about me in the comments.
5: He did, he really did, he really did.
2: I mean, I have one memory of Chris.
5: He loved talking shit about you with me, too. What did he say?
2: (laughs) What did he say?
5: Oh, I don't know. Like, you annoyed him sometimes.
2: Wow. That's what everybody
5: says.
2: (laughs) It's fucked up. Meanwhile, I'm keeping the ship sailing straight. Fucking Chris. Jesus. Where are... What are you doing to me, Chris? (laughs) Going out from the grave that I annoyed him. Like, it's okay. (laughs) It's okay. Um... He annoyed me too, but I loved him. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, the story that I wanted to say real quick, I remember, it so, I remember these things so well because they were so important to me. We were at my dad's opulent lake house in upstate New York, and, uh, and me and Linda were at the beach, and I, and I was trying to record Dopey, and, and we were driving back and forth, and uh, Chris was like, he was like, I know we're going to do it full time, He's like, I know we're gonna have a studio and someone's gonna get us coffee and I want that to be what we do. And he wanted the show to be Dave and Dr. Chris. And I was oh, like, yeah. get the fuck out of here. He wanted to be Dr. Drew.
5: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah he did. Um, so I'm a doctor.
2: Dr. Um, Annie, yes. I'm a <laughs> humble bragging Annie here.
5: <laughs> I'm a surgeon and he would always say, well, you know we're going to be Dr. and Dr. O'Connor, right?
2: Dr. and Dr. O'Connor. I'm
5: like, except you're getting a PhD. It's not the same thing. So
2: you're not really a doctor. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I appreciate you coming up. And it, let's hear it for Annie, because it's so beautiful that she's here.
10: Thank you, guys.
2: That was awesome. And we're going to do more more talk about Chris with the great Joe Schrank. So, Joe, come on up. Annie, you want to move on to the talk show? It's here for Joe Shrank. Now, Joe Shrank, okay, the plan, right? The plan, well, I'm going to just say this. The plan was to have Joe Shrank up here, right, and not tell him that Amy Dresner was off stage and surprise you guys with Amy, but she refused to come. So fuck it, you know? Well but wouldn't that have been cool? Yeah. It'd been a real Mori Povich kind of. Is she of gonna moment. bring that cat too? No, no, no cat. Okay. But but <clears throat> Joe, I met Joe through Chris. And 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 for those of you who have heard Joe on Rehab Confidential, it's here for Rehab Confidential. Um me and Chris were, were pumping the show along and, and uh, he was like, yo. I think my boss should come on the show because he's funny and he's angry. And I was like, okay. So, so Chris brought Joe to Katz's and then, and then uh, we went to my apartment and we recorded the show and you told the story about vomiting curly fries and a lot of anger too. Well,
12: yeah. The curly fry, you, do you want me to like, give an
3: overview of yeah, the well, story? Yeah, Okay,
12: all right. Well, it was been my old days at USC, fight on, any Trojans? Um, And, uh, you know, I had a tendency to end up at beer parties and bring girls to my room. And then right at one of those pivotal moments when a fraternity boy would bring a girl to his room, I completely lost 15 beers all over her. Just splashed. Look at Annie, she's dismayed. Yeah, no, she... (laughs) Right, and well, but the- Was this person naked? What's
5: that? Was this person naked? Yeah, yeah, yeah of course.
12: Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's how that goes. Um, but the, the thing of it was is that I had also been sent to church's fried chicken to cop cocaine for my fraternity brothers who were afraid of the ghetto, mm. which I was not. So I got sent on these errands and I had a bunch of curly fries while I was waiting for the guy. And then, so with the 15 beers was a half a pound of curly fries. And she kept and I remember this girl, she kept hitting me saying, You fucking pig, you don't even chew, those things are so horrible.
2: <laughs> horrible. So what was what was the first time you met Chris?
12: The first time I met Chris is he pitched me a story for the fix. He emailed me and said that he wanted to write for the fix, which I had, you know, tons of emails from Lots of people who wanted to write for The Fix, and I was like, all right, send me 500 words on whatever, and then usually people never followed through, and that was the end of it. Chris followed through. Uh, Chris could actually write, which was always very interesting to me. He had a pretty good point of view. He had a voice. Um, He was very smart, Chris. Chris was a very smart guy. So that's kind of how I got to know Chris, and then I figured he could be the uh, sober living manager for the sober living that I ran in Brooklyn with Dr. Benefeld, who's right back there.
2: Shout out, Dr. Greenfeld. Shout out to Dr. B. Yeah. And I have to say, Chris, like, he had a lot of stories, but for some reason, the Managing the Sober Living story was my favorite. I don't know why. Do you remember it at all? You know, um,
12: I'm a sober guy, but I'm also a clinical social worker by training. And so, you know, when Maya Slavitz talks about meeting the client where the client is, I never liked the cat and mouse game of you're using, you're in my sober living, fuck you, it's pee. and it just didn't. You know, I always thought, um, you know, guys would tell me they relapsed, and I'd be like, all right, well, you used once instead of every day. That's pretty good. Why don't we keep going? And so I never really... Um, went on any fact-finding missions with what Chris was doing as the sober living manager. <laughs> Although, after a while, it became very clear that he was not managing the sober living. So, I don't know, what do you know? What, I remember, what do you know that I don't?
2: My memory is not great, but what I remember, because I've been to a few sober livings, and what I remember is that Chris, I think he took ecstasy off some of the clients, ate the ecstasy, locked himself in the room, and ate a bunch of acid and he would only pee in his room because he was scared the clients would see him tripping and i don't know why it was like so funny to me because he was uh-huh. it's just such a weird relapse to relapse on ecstasy while you're running a sober living it just seemed like like the greatest story because like you're supposed to be having fun on ecstasy but you're running the sober living alone <laughs> and i just i don't know it's my, favorite, it's my favorite story. And, and Chris, obviously, I'm sure I could, I could call on each of you, and you'd be like, have a different fucking favorite Chris story. But that's my favorite Chris story. Can I tell you one of my favorite Chris stories? Please. It is
12: kind of sentimental. You know, I have an adopted kid from Kenya, and when he first came here, Chris rode the subway with him to school every day for a week and went to school when he got out and uh, was there. You know, I mean, look, this was a kid from Kenya, And so everything was like overwhelming and and Chris was, you know, I never really even asked him to do it. He just decided like that's what he was going to do. So he picked him up from school every day until he got used to the subway. and So that's kind of one of my really, I guess, I always thought like that is more the essence of Chris. I mean, I know he struggled and I know little crazy stories and whatever, dropping acid with the sober living kids and whatever. (laughs) I think he did it alone. I don't
0: think he. If he did it
2: with the sober living kids, it would have made more sense. Oh no,
12: But that's bullshit. They always do
2: it together. That's I think that the that's essence a domino of- effect when somebody relapses. That is the essence of Chris, yeah. though. It's the same essence of Chris that would drive to do dopey and and refuse to miss yeah. a, a dopey. And like, you know, I loved his stories, but what I loved about him more than anything was how he loved to laugh at himself. And it was just like, and that he invited people in uh, to laugh at him, and he felt the love when they laughed at him. And uh, and he was a great glutton for punishment with me on the show, which made the show function. But the other thing is that, um, you know, I get very emotional when I think about it, because like, we wouldn't be here, you wouldn't be here, and um, it's it's... Everybody dies, right? Everybody dies eventually. And some of us die quicker than others. And, uh, and I know that's logical. And I know that like three or four times a year, I just do a show about Chris because it's profound to me. But I think this is even more profound, you know, for us to be together, for you guys to be here, for all of us to have been with him, for him to have touched us the way he did. And it's funny, though, because Chris would do things like that for your son or, or drive here, and I would give him shit that he only did it to make that person like him, which is one of my favorite things to make fun of him for, like Chris the people pleaser. But but in reality, yeah. it's kind of the nature of service to, to do something for someone else so that you can feel good, but it's still the act of kindness. It's all rolled into one. Yeah, for sure. Um, for sure.
12: Can I, can I, I just, I love that your dad's, he looks like the, um, the dad at family group who's trying, uh, who's, who's tired of paying for rehab. Yeah.
2: Isn't Listen, it? I'm going I'm to say this about my dad. Like, let's hear it from my dad. Like, but honestly, how... He's a great father, he's a great grandfather, but how good a father can he be if I was a heroin addict for 15 years? Come on, I'm fucking strung out for 15 years and he's father of the year? Give me a break. Um, thanks, Dad. Uh, and let's, hold on, I, I think my friends, I just wanna give a quick shout out to Noel and Jose. I have a fucked up story about Noel that I'm I'm arguing with myself whether to tell or not, but Jose cut me on a cat's job and then told me I cut myself. But he's here, so say what's up to Jose and Noel. Um, And and thank you, Joe. I think, uh... One more thing. Please.
12: Just want to say. Look, I mean, Chris is, it's just unbelievably tragic. The same day there was 150 other people who died of an overdose. Right. Like we're really not aware of it as much as we should be. More than twice that number. People drink themselves to death annually. Um, There was probably 75 people who died in Hurricane Ian. Tragic, horrible. I'm sure there was twice that number who overdosed on that day. Um, I spent a lot of my time in San Francisco and, you know, it's very passively aggressive liberal Like you have to get it all right with your fucking Prius and the right bag at Trader Joe's and all that bullshit. So we were very quick to shut down when the pandemic hit. And we had, um, we had more people die of overdose during the pandemic than of COVID. So anyway look I, I get I'm preaching to the choir here but it's a
2: serious issue and you're literally know. preaching to the choir right here. right no <laughs>
12: that's the other thing I really like about where we are here
2: what do you think are you impressed with Dopicon?
12: I mean I'm impressed with Dopicon. I'm impressed that it's uh, the Church of the Holy Apostle as if it's there are unholy ah. apostles or <laughs> Or evil apostles? Or we almost
2: had it at the Church of the Evil Apostles. Yeah, right evil now. apostles. We're yeah. going to do it at this one. <laughs> okay.
12: Well, no, I think it's, it's great.
2: Well, thank you, Joe. Thank you, Annie. And let's hear it for Joe and Annie. Thanks, Chris. Oh shit, me. this is Chris. No, Watch this. Just,
13: just like, like, so why don't you tell your mushrooms
2: Jesus story?
13: I was in high school and I bought a shitload of mushrooms and we were supposed to take it on the weekend with my uh, my girlfriend and some other guys and stuff. And um, I remember like, I left them with my girlfriend because I knew I would take them. I couldn't have anything on me because I would take it. It didn't matter what it was. I would just do it in my room at night by myself in the bathroom. Well, on like Thursday, I was hanging out with her, and I basically staged a fight, so I could grab the mushrooms and be like, I'm taking these. And then I went home and took all the mushrooms. Um, I was laying there in bed, and um, when I used to be, when I would take a lot of hallucinogenics, I would develop this kind of God complex. Um, I still knew I was Chris Honor, but like, I thought that I was really like the second coming of Jesus. So I'm laying in bed, mushroom is fucking, so you know, kicking in, and I think I'm Jesus, and I had to urinate And I thought, well, I'm Jesus, it doesn't matter. So I just pissed my bed. Um, like, I you know In the bathroom, right there in the room. That's Jesus? Yeah, he didn't So anyway, I sitting in bed, pissed my bed, and I'm laying there thinking, i Jesus. And I was like, you know what? I was like, I need to go tell my parents. And then they'll say, <laughs> the they say, the only reason you think you're Jesus is because you're on drugs. And so I decided that I would wait until the next day when the drugs were off, and then I would let them know I'm Jesus. And? and the drugs were off, and I realized I wasn't Jesus. that's <laughs> dope.
2: Listen, uh, that's done by this guy, Alec Allegio. So let's hear it for Alec Allegio. Alec Allegio, like, he made all of the Chris animations. He never made an animation. I mean, I think we should have a show just Chris's animations. I love that. Love that story. And. Over, I mean, when did you start coming on the show? Fucking last year? A little over a year ago. I remember, Aaron, I was trying to get Dopey Day, right? You know how fucking relentless I am, how annoying I am, right, Annie? Um, and I wanted to get Dopey Day to be, to, to be big, and, and Aaron was a journalist, supposedly, and I was like, we gotta get a story about about Dopey Day out there. And she's like, well, you're kind of running. It's always like a three days before that I'm like, let's get a story about this out now. And she's like, well, maybe next year. And of course, the next year rolled along, and I and I forgot again until like three days before, which is how I kind of handle these things. But um Erin wrote this amazing book called Strung Out, and she lived in Manhattan. And she came to my dad's house, and we had an amazing show, and it turned out she's also an unlicensed advice columnist. So we started doing Ask Aaron on Dopey. So Aaron Carr, come on up. Is this on... So welcome, welcome to DopeyCon. Ask Thank Anna you. Park. My
14: microphone's a little dented. Here, you can... All right. <laughs> okay, so I, you know, I was all excited, feeling good about everything, and then as I was sitting here, I was listening to Smiling Joe, and yeah. then Annie, and Joe Shrink Very and, inspiring. And, and then I was like, oh, now things are turning, like, you sad. know, not sad, but then I was like, is is Dave doing this to set me up so I cry? <laughs> Well, you're a good prior.
2: Annie fucking hates Good Morning... I'm sorry. Aaron hates Good Morning Dopey. Not true. She hates... She's like, Dave, why are you doing the Daily Reflections? And, and before we get any further, we need to give a shout-out to Howard Beach Buxbaum behind the fucking monitor. Howie, stand up. Howie, stand up and take a fucking bow. Come on. There he is. Howard Beach, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, Howie's like, I don't know. You got to do something better with the Daily Reflections. And I was like... Let's bring Erin on. And Erin comes on and she fucking cries the first first one. And then she cried the second one too.
14: I know. It was a setup.
2: Well, it was very emotional.
14: (laughs) So, but I feel emotional just even now. And I'm going to try not to cry.
2: Why are you crying?
14: I'm not, well, because, you know, listening to everybody, listening to Brandon and Andy and Smiling Joe and everybody else who's been up here, we all have a shared history in a way even though we were using separately there are things that we understand uh, you know we understand struggling with a very specific human condition mm. right that not all human beings experience and for anybody who doesn't know i started doing drugs very very early eight years old first time i stole crazy little. first time i shot heroin eight I years 13 old. 13 shooting heroin crazy and then hit it for 10 years so i never thought in a million years, A, that I would be this fucking old (laughs) and B, that I would ever be in a place in my life that I felt like I wanted to live. And Andy said something about, you know, like that first breath of the day, man, I wanted to die for so long. So like the idea that now sometimes I think like time is going by so fast and you're right, we all die eventually. right? The idea that now it's been 19 and a half years since I did heroin and that I fucking stayed. It feels miraculous.
2: It is miraculous. You know,
14: and what you started with Chris, it's a mitzvah, right? It's like you-
2: Don't talk Yiddish in the church. It (laughs) fucks everything up.
14: But this is what, this is what, like, this is, the, this is the fucking drug, right? Like, I spent so long trying to disconnect. I just want to connect with people now. Like, that's that's why I wrote the book. That's why I speak. That's why I talk to everyone. I mean, I like connecting with people, and I just, I, you know... I don't know. I'm just very, very grateful that we're all here. and Me that too. I, you did a fantastic job pulling this off. Thank you. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Um, and thank you for being here. Uh, Butchie, Butchie took a bunch of dopes on the walking tour and he said he was going to go by the plaza. And I was <laughs> like, I was like, you know, that's like my favorite Aaron Carr story. Yeah. You know, sick in the plaza. And what, you tell the story.
14: All right. So <clears throat> I was at a point in my life where I was engaged to a man who lived in France and he didn't know that I was using drugs. I mean, he didn't even know that I had ever done heroin, (laughs) let alone that I had started shooting up again. And uh, I went to France and like, you know, detox there and he's like, why are you sick? I said, I had the flu. Came back, he was you know, the debt, that clock was ticking. I come to New York to see my dad and was just, you know, This was my idea of trying to get clean, was always like going on a vacation and then just cold turkey trying to kick. I went shopping and then I went to the plaza, which is like a famous hotel in New York and they have tea. And when I was a little girl and I would come visit my dad in New York, I'd go to the plaza and have tea and think that I was Eloise in the Plaza. So I decided to go there and I remember looking around the room and I was the only person sitting alone I, you know, was probably a good 30 pounds less than I am now, green, you know, just so sweating, hot and cold, hot and cold, and I had this green sweater that was a terrible color on me. It's August in New York, but, you know, air conditioning inside, so I kept taking this stupid sweater off and on, off and on. I feel like I'm going to be sick. I go down this long carpeted hallway to the bathroom, and there's this bathroom attendant there, and I'm like, it's the same bathroom attendant, I think. In my head, it's the same bathroom attendant from when I was a kid, and I'm just in a bad place, and I sit down on the toilet, like just to sit, and take the sweater off again, and I look, and in it had like kind of a collar that rolled over, and I'm like, What is in there? And it was a piece of it was a chunk of tar heroin that somehow it was the one and only time like we were talking about like looking for drugs places that I actually found drugs
2: the fucked up thing about this story is like i swear like here we are we're doing this show about drugs in a church whatever and i i i almost feel like i'm not a drug addict i almost feel disconnected from my using what i did and when i hear that story and you find a chunk of tar in your sweater i'm like hallelujah, there's the dope, thank God. And I have that feeling like everything's going to be okay. And I'm sober, you know, it's like, why would I I feel like that when I hear that? Because you know how
14: shitty that feeling is. So like, you know, and I had my little Hello Kitty pencil case that had like my rigs in it. So I got high, threw the sweater in the trash, and then went home and then got caught like, a month later, finally, after 10 years, and went to rehab for the first time. That's my
2: favorite story, though. Finding dope (laughs) stories are my fucking favorite. Now, okay, let's move on. All right. It's time to do the Ask Aaron Advice question. I was going to have you all write a question, but I realized you probably (laughs) weren't going to write a question. Oh, shit. I just realized I didn't tell anybody to download Kahoot. Is that too? You guys need to get... What? They don't need it?
14: You can just go to the site.
2: All right, forget that. Aaron Carr is an unlicensed advice columnist and she finds people send her questions. Yes. So let's hear the question. Right. And ask Aaron Carr.
14: All right, so the subject line says sober wife. Sober wife. I don't really know how to discuss this, but here it goes. I was sober for almost a year before I met my now wife. We moved in together and I started drinking again. For the first five years of our relationship, three and a half of which we were married, we drank together. She's a completely different person when she drinks. Awful, honestly, but she's now been sober since May of 2021, which has been awesome. Overall, our marriage is much better. However, I still drink, even around her, and my drinking has not gotten any better. Granted, I'm not an angry drinker or anything, but I guess I've been hoping her sobriety would lead her to question my drinking. I know it's not on her, and her sobriety is her journey. She needs to focus on her own well-being, and she has but I'm coming to, the, to a close of my five-year Navy career and the early years were rough on us with the distance, which likely increased her drinking. I guess I'm just wondering why now, in her year plus of sobriety, she hasn't addressed my problem. Thank you for your time.
2: Whoa. So what do you say, Ask Aaron Carr?
14: Maybe she has a really strong Al-Anon program. <laughs> I mean, I, I think, you know, no one is going to fix this. You, right? see
2: Linda fixed everything for me where's Linda <laughs> she fixed everything for me hey, I' sorry
14: so to me this is really him looking for somebody else to do the work right obviously this guy knows that the, the what's the expression the jig is up like it's time to address this so when you have that feeling and you know that what what what's what you're doing isn't working anymore. you just got to try something else and and I say this it's funny because we were talking about you know like people have mentioned like relapsing and like the depths we go to and everything and I relapsed like hundreds of times in a five year period I mean before that too, but when I was earnestly trying to stay sober, I just couldn't I, I kept relapsing and kept relapsing and and I think that that it's really profound, I think it was Maya, who said, like, if you have 10 years and you relapse, you don't lose those 10 years. I mean, the scary thing is, is that, like, yeah, now, especially with Vengenal, you could die. But, if you're alive, you, you still have that chance to change things.
2: Live to fight another day. Yeah. I always thought of it like, um, Smokey the Bear, you know? Only you can prevent forest fires. Only you can do something. And if it's somebody else, they're not gonna do it. Right. But, but you can do it. And um, I love the advice column on the show. I do, too. All right. Well, let's hear it for Aaron. Let's hear it for Aaron, and thank you. And I think it's time to play the stash word game, The, the dopey fucking game show. So Katie Bates, let's hear it for Katie Bates. Fucking Katie Bates tirelessly every month Puts together the Dopey game. Katie, come on up. Just come on up and do it. Come on. And uh, Kate, every, month we do, every month we do Dopey Patreon Zoom. Can you hear me? Yeah. And every month, I, I don't do it unless Katie can do it. Right, Katie? I've, be- true. I've become reliant on Katie. And it's every month, we do the, the game show. So who's ready to play the Dash Word game? Everyone, Katie, tell them what to do.
15: Okay, um, so I don't know why you're talking about downloading an app. We never downloaded.
2: I don't know what I'm talking so about. So
15: if you go online on your phone, so everybody take out your phone if you want to play. Go online, and you're going to need to uh, go to a site. It's Kahoot.it, and it's spelled K A H O O T.
2: Kahoot.it. Do it quickly. Jojo, why aren't you taking the phone out? What are you doing? He's looking. Evan, why don't you stop texting and play the fucking game? What's wrong with you, man? What's wrong with you?
15: And when you're there, it'll ask for a pin, which will show up on the screen in just a minute. Um, here's the deal with the game, for those of you who have not played. A lot of these questions, you're going to know the answer to. So a lot of people are going to get it Correct. The goal is not just to get it correct, but to get it correct quickly because you get points for scoring first.
2: All right, a lot of you won't know any of this, but we play the game show. I figured to have 150 people playing the game. Katie, I don't know how to play the game. What am I doing here?
15: But Dave, you do it every month.
2: But I don't see it on this thing. I don't. I've you never have had this. My computer. What am I doing? You I have your computer. Know. Lewis just gave me the computer in front of you. Let's hear it for Linda's brother, stage manager extraordinaire, Lewis Butali right here. All right, what are we doing? Run the game, Katie. I don't want to run the game. This is my poor planning. Are you ready? You guys ready to play? All right.
15: So enter the pin, 264-9690.
2: Usually I play, and it's about me, and I win. But sometimes Austin wins, and sometimes Stephanie yes, sometimes wins.
15: sometimes Austin
2: wins. <laughs> this is the most and people.
15: And Selby, yeah. And Selby,
2: Selby doesn't win very often.
15: Yeah, look at that. I'm loving that. That's impressive. That's fucking awesome. So what do we do? You wait until everybody logs in. Is anybody not in that wants to be in? All right, go ahead and start.
2: All right, Dopey 2022 Kahoot. Here we go. Who's ready to play? Here we go. In 2008, Brandon Novak Novak got $280 for stripping naked and licking the asshole of which Howard Stern regular? Triangle, King of All Blacks, Circle, Crackhead Bob, Diamond, Richard Christie, or Square, Artie Lang? What do I do? So this is counting down, that's the timer. Yeah. Once it goes, it'll go on to the nest. Okay. Yes, it was obviously Richard Christie. All right. All right, what is the greatest nation on the planet? The masturbation nation, triangle. The dopey nation, diamond. The United Nations, circle. And the Kenny Chesney nation, square. Kenny Chesney gets the square. Yes, dopey nation, that's terrific. Give yourself a round of applause. All right. Which drug is not a plant-based derivative? Triangle, MDMA, circle, heroin? Diamond, cocaine, square, marijuana. I should talk slower. We should never have played the game on the show. This is a terrible idea. I'm going to be stuck in this fucking game for like an hour. God damn it. All right. Yes, it's MDMA. Everyone knows that, Katie. All right. Crystal Steph. No, Natalie, whoever Natalie might be. Here we go. The original DopeyCon was held where? Where? Mountainside's New York City Wellness Center gets a triangle. Katz's Deli's Secret Room gets a circle. Diamond, Aloe Recovery's East Coast Annex. Or Square, Allen's opulent Manhattan apartment. We should quit this game. I vote we quit the game. Okay, we'll keep going, sorry. we we'll keep going, we'll keep going. Natalie is uh, holding tight. Where's Natalie? Who's Natalie? She's back there somewhere. All right, she's cheating. Dave once told Chris about a homeless man who staked out by Katz's. Which of these was not a, a nickname of his? Triangle, Bill, Circle, Black, Diamond, Ezra, Square, Mudfoot. Does anyone know what this guy's name wasn't? Was it Bill, Black, Ezra, or Mudfoot? It's a confusing question, and I wrote it. It's terrible. This is the worst game ever. I'm sorry, you guys. I apologize. The Dopey Patreon Zoom is a much more suitable environment. Amy Hopler Mitchell from Good Morning Dopey takes the lead. Yeah, it was Bill. That's not Ezra's name. Here we go. What, da- what did Dave and Chris originally want to name the Dopey podcast? Was it Dope Signation? Triangle. Was it War Stories? Diamond. Was it Circle? Two Dopes talking about dope. Or was it Square? Junkie Town. We should have called it Junkie Town. You know, my little daughter's favorite song for like 10 minutes was Funky Town. And that was a really good time for us. All right. It was war stories. But Chris wanted to call it Two Dopes Talking About Dope. All right. we got to get through this game. Katie, 20 questions. Jesus Christ. It's my fault. When Chris was young, he had a Portuguese water dog whom he tormented into having seizures. What was the dog's name? Was it Triangle Champ? Circle, Ralphie, tri- or diamond, hoodie, or square, Ezra. What was the dog's name that Chris tormented into having seizures? Do you know? Yes, it was Hoodie. That's right. You want me to wrap this thing up? You guys want to quit the game and go on to the next thing? All right, fine. Lewis says we should wrap it up. We're just going to go to 10. In the Blue Mountain Power Aid story, Chris awoke in a hospital with the wrong name on his ID bracelet. What was the wrong name? Was it Ezra Black? Triangle? Was it Tony Baloney? Circle? Was it Eugene Myerson? Square? Or was it Charles McCullough for the diamond? Annie, what was the name? All right, fair enough. Annie doesn't listen to this show. What? she's not. It's Charles McCullough. All right, last question, and we're getting out of this game. Huh? What? What's your problem? What do you guys want? You want to play the whole game? No you don't. No you don't. Lewis says no. Lewis says no game. Lesson number 9. Aaron Carr decants everything except triangle dishwashing detergent, diamond oat milk, square regular milk or circle mayonnaise. All right. Last question. What does Aaron not decant? Anybody? No, it's mayonnaise, rocks. What are you, smoking weed again today? What are you doing? Last question, I gotta get out of this game. Sorry, Steph, we'll finish it on the fucking Patreon Zoom. During one of Dave's horrific seizures, he fell out of his bed
8: onto a coffee table,
2: shattering what? Triangle, a bowl of chocolate pudding, circle an ashtray with still-smoking cigarettes, Square, a bottle of Dom Perignon champagne, or Diamond, a Jerome Baker hand-blown glass bong. What did I fall on from the seizure? It was the bong. And we're done. Let's give it a... Fucking who won? Amy Hoppler Mitchell. Amy gets to win. Dad, how much money do you have? Where is he? How much money you got? No, no, no. Amy Hoppler Mitchell, you you pick a prize from the table. You pick a prize. Let's hear it for Amy Hoppler Mitchell. I'm sure a lot of you don't know who she is because you don't watch Good Morning Dopey. But if you knew anything about hip hop, you know our next guest. He's the special guest. He was was everywhere. He was the Forrest Gump of hip hop. He was one of my favorites and uh, I got to meet him over the summer, it was a super treat. His name is MC Search. His group was third base. MC Search, come on up. Thank you for yes, sir. And uh, MC Search, last minute addition to DopeyCon. And it's an honor to have you here.
16: To all my uh, members of the tribe and to all the others,
2: happy Saturday. Happy Saturday.
16: Peace. How do uh, you feel? I gave up going to the BET Awards for you. I hope Shut this was phone. fucking work with it. Did you really? With yeah, I should have been at the BET Awards in Miami.
2: I think you made a horrible decision. a terrible
16: Sparks. fucking decision. What do you think? I met your mom and dad, though, so that's my a bonus.
2: Yes. yes, My dad and Jenny. Right. Let's hear it for Jenny real quick. Yeah. Nice. My dad doesn't nice. like to call her his girlfriend. Oh, I'm sorry. But my dad's friend... Jenny. And she likes to call herself my dad's nurse. So let's hear it for Jenny. Nice. I appreciate that. Thank God for Jenny. Yes, indeed. And and MC
16: Search. What do you make of this thing? It's amazing. I mean, I hope my podcast, uh, Breaking Anonymity, is as successful as you like that plug, by the way.
2: Horrible, horrible, shameless self-promotion in the middle Listen, of do- in the middle of it's do- What Jews
16: do? We, that's a Sean uh, MC search. So what Jews, Jews do. do. We promote ourselves, self-promotion.
2: So I hope that that breaking you didn't having me on breaking anim- 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 anonymity.
16: Yes, this but, sh- this season for sure, for and sure. Anonymity, anonymity. We and we've had some great guests so far. So why, uh, why
2: don't you plug it a little more? And no, tell no, no, no. Come no, on, tell no, me, no, you, no, tell them no, who no. you had on the so,
16: show. So, so. I've been uh, I've been uh, clean eleven years. I'm so, tearing uh, for search. and uh, my partner Kyle Eustace has been clean fourteen years. And we were like, um, we wanted to do a show that wasn't about the isms, so much about recovery, and uh, it's like, like know, the for, opposite of dopey. Yeah, <laughs> the opposite. How a twelve step program could you know help people. And uh, we started to run into a lot of rappers that actually are part of a twelve-step program. Royce the Five Nine, Eminem, uh, Danny Boy from House of Pain, like, and they had these crazy fucking stories. Like Danny a Boy, plus, A Plus from Souls of Mischief. A Plus from Souls of Mischief. Danny Boy talks about at the peak of Jump Around, he was homeless, living under a fucking bridge. It's fucking crazy. But then we were like, I, I came up, and I'm sure your dad can remember this, because um, I'm about as old as your dad. Um, I like theater of the mind. Like for me, radio was the biggest shit ever coming up in New York. And um, I like the idea of playing with sound design. So it was kind of dope to like, think about telling this story while Danny's telling it and making it sound like he's actually under a fucking bridge. So we met with like every headphone company, every speaker company, because, you know, I'm just crazy like that. And, uh, and we are doing this podcast in 6.2 surround sound. So you could literally listen to it in your home. You can listen to it in your car and it's, all right,
2: they it know about. They've heard enough of your plugging your podcast. So, anyway, search. But it's you, just, come on. It's just How a, much, it's, what is so, this yeah, going to be so, about? Anyway, so I want to hear a lively anecdote of your drug addiction. The, the, I, you know, and that's the sad
16: part. I don't have. I was thinking this the whole time sitting here. Yes. Like I could tell you crazy stories about every rapper I've ever been around. Yes. I don't have any fucking crazy stories.
2: I'm sure you have some. I,
16: don't, I, really, I, I really don't. I was so good at hiding my addiction that my wife for 33 years didn't know I was an addict. Like, she didn't know. That she might- had no fucking clue until I came home. Maybe this is a good story. I
2: think so. This might,
16: this might it- be the story. Yes. All right. So, I was... Um, I had a liquor company, um, and I didn't drink, but I had a liquor company called Nouveau. It was a carbonated pink vodka, and we were fucking killing it. T-Pain talked about it, Rick Ross talked about it. We started artist careers. Like, I remember going to Puerto Rico and meeting a bartender in San Juan who had a crazy fucking name, but his record sounded great, so we gave him the money for his first five videos, and the kid's name was Bad Bunny. We got his career started, um, and we did that for, like, Maluma, Azuna, Carol G, Anwell. Like, like, I just used my liquor company as a way to propel artists. Like, that's what I did. So, I was on my way to Kissimmee, Florida. I think it's drop off. Kissimmee. Yeah. No, that's incorrect. I'm sorry. Keep going. Um, I was on my way to Kissimmee, Florida to drop off two cases to our street team, who are doing an event. And where I live in Central Florida, it's like an hour and a half from my house, and I'm dropping these cases off, and they're smoking good, and they're drinking good, and I'm like, I got an hour and a half. I'm gonna hit this real quick. I'll get home, I won't be high, I'll be fine. Man, I hit that shit and I was gone, gone. And then that's when I got the courage. I was like, you know what, fuck it, I'm gonna tell my wife I smoke weed, and that's it. So uh, I get to the house, bloodshot eyes, um, go to walk the dog with my wife. And uh, she looks at me and she goes, Are you high? And I look down at her because my wife is this five foot one Puerto Rican black chick from Queens. And I look down at her and I said, Yo, I'm high as a motherfucker and fly as a motherfucker. And if you don't like it, there's the door. Uh oh. And she looked at me, smacked me in the face, hard, glasses flew in the whole shit, walked to the next house to walk the dog, and I could hear her crying. And as high as I was, I was like, fuck it. What is she gonna do? I make all the bread, this house is mine, the cause is mine, what's she gonna do?
2: Not smart, MC Search.
16: She walks <laughs> She walks in the house and she says uh, here's here's the thing. Now when a black woman tells you here's the thing, I don't know white people, I just
2: by the white. People but when a black Church. woman
16: says here's the thing, you understand here's the thing. So my wife said here's the thing. You're going to go to a meeting tomorrow or I'm going to take the kids in the house and you're out of here. And my wife never lied to me, never cheated, never, never smoked, never drank, nothing. And she always kept her word. So I was scared out of my mind. So, and I believed her. So I went to a meeting. (laughs) This is the story. So I went to the, this meeting. I went to this meeting in a in a church in uh, Winter Garden, Florida. All right, I think you might heard as well right. have been called White Ass Hell, Florida. Right. So I'm a kid from Far Rockaway, Queens. I grew up in Red fern Projects. Um, I didn't like white people. Y'all used to call me a wigger when I was rhyming. Used to call me a wannabe because I wanted to be a rapper. And then all y'all motherfuckers came to my shows. But I grew up around no white people. Um, And I go into this meeting, and there's a guy named Rich. Big dude, beard, cut, bunch of Klan patches.
2: Really Klan patches?
16: And I'm thinking to myself, this guy's going to open up his mouth, and I'm going to have to punch him in his face. Because I've never been around none of the Forget about regular white people from New York. This is a white dude from the middle of Florida. And, and, and just, just as an alert, Florida's the South. Like, y'all go to Disney like, ha ah, ha ha, Mickey. No, that's the South. They got Confederate flags when you ain't fucking with Mickey. Right?
2: Shout out to Florida. Yeah.
16: It's the South. And I'm like, this dude will fuck me up, but I got to punch him in his face. And this guy, they start the meeting, and they're saying some shit I don't understand, and they're saying some steps I don't understand, and some traditions I don't understand, and I'm just trying to figure out when I can get out of here and get home. And this dude gets up, and he says, I'm big, rich, I'm an addict, and he starts telling this story, and it's my story. Everything out of this dude's mouth is my life. And how can a dude that definitely runs the clan tell my story? And then I looked at his patches on his vest on his cut and it was all NA patches mm. from conventions. And the and the big patch on the back was like an NA biker club.
2: Right. Not you know, a clan.
16: Not a clan. Not clan. Not a clan patch. And I start crying. And the people come up to me and they tell me they love me and I'm like, fuck out of here. You don't love- How do you love me? You don't even know me. You don't even know what I put my wife through. You don't know what I put my kids through. How can you? And then they tell me keep coming back. And I went home as stupid as I was in that moment and I said, hun, I was the most important person in that meeting. They kept telling me to keep coming back. I got to keep going. Because if I don't go, that meeting's over. They're telling me to keep coming back. I got to keep going.
2: It tickled the sweet spot. Anyway,
16: yeah, anyway, 11-11-11. That was the date.
0: So.
2: I love it. It's a perfect story, MC Search. Nice and me, me and Search, can I say Search? Uh, sure. Me and Search recorded an episode at the... TWA Hotel. I really very- wish
16: you wouldn't say that. They really gave me the gas face. I fucking hate that hotel. You keep I,
2: giving them. You
16: love that. I, I just, I told you I don't want to promote that hotel because they shit on me. That it day. felt
2: like I was on Mad Men when I was there. It felt like no, it's a great, listen,
16: if you want to be treated like shit but have a beautiful experience, go to the TWA Hotel. All
2: right, fuck it's the It's a TWA, great, ho- yeah, fuck that's exactly the TWA right. Hotel. I did,
16: I do have one other story. Okay. This is really quick, because it's just another story about my wonderful, beautiful, amazing wife.
2: Uh Uh-oh. Is she here? No. No, she's not. That's why I can tell this wonderful,
16: amazing story. So I was finishing my my solo album. I just left third base. I was finishing my solo album. I just finished mixing it. My manager's girlfriend had come back, because she was like a big model. She was in like Sports Illustrated or something. She just did the uh, swimsuit edition. And she had braids and all of this. And I had just come from his house. And she had snuck in from Jamaica. Again, white people, not Ocho Rio, like Kingston 3, Kingston 10. She snuck in yellow tie, like real yellow tie, right? This dude in front is like, oh yeah, fucking yellow tie. Yeah, like real yellow tie. So she snuck in a couple of joints, she gave me one. I'm like, oh, cool, I'm gonna hit this. Like, I'm definitely hitting this. Um, Cause for the most of, most of my, my life, I was very much a casual user of you know, my drug of choice. I, I really didn't come an addict until later, but like I could use and go six months and not use or go a year and not, like, it was very casual. Um, So I'm in my apartment. We just finished mixing. I'm with a really well-known producer who I worked with. And I pull out this yellow time and I celebrate. And I'm going to hit this this joint in the house. And it was the only time I ever smoked in front of my wife. And she literally says to me, let me hit that. And my wife, for a small period of time of our 33 years together, smoked Newports. Like, who didn't, right? We were queens. Everybody smoked Newports. So she says, let me hit that. So I, I light it up. Producer hits it twice. She hits it like a little bit. She's like, and that was it. She never my wife never smoked, never drank. So I'm like, cool. I hit the whole thing. They, producer leaves. My wife says, I'm going to bed. She goes into the room. I lay down. I had this giant leather sofa. I lay down. I'm watching the Nick game. And then all of a sudden, the sofa turns into a Ferris wheel, and uh, and when I used to get when I was a kid and I used to get high, I loved football, right? I used to love watching football every every Sunday, and the dude who was the running back at the moment was this guy Icky Woods for the Bengals, and he had a dance called the Icky Shuffle. Icky Shuffle, right? Yes. So when I used to get fucked up, I did the Icky Shuffle,
2: and I danced I would dance do, I would do, too.
16: I would, do, I would just be fucked up doing the Icky Shuffle. I go to the bedroom laughing, and my wife has got the covers like this. Oh my God! And I'm laughing like, you as hell! And the phone rings, right? I pick up the phone. Hello? It's the producer that was just at the house. Come get me. Wait, where? What? Come get me. I'm stuck at the bridge. I am not crossing this bridge. Come get me. I, what? Yo, come. I'm, word is bond search. Come yeah. get me. Yo, where are you? I'm in the middle lane of the fucking bridge. I'm not moving. Come get me, yo, hun. I gotta go get homeboy. Don't leave me, le- hun. I gotta go, yo. Homeboy's stuck in the middle of the bridge. Okay, stay on the phone with me. Now, we had cell phones back in the day in 1994 that were like $600 a minute. Y'all remember those phones, right? They were $600 a minute, like. At one point, you would have to, like, mortgage your house to pay the month rent, right? So now I got to be on the phone, and this dude is 40 minutes from where I'm living. Uh-huh. And, I'm on, and I got to stand on the phone with my wife, and she's, are you there? Tell me you're there. I'm there. I'm here. Why are y'all so fucked up? Y'all fucking my shit up. You just want to do the icky shuffle? I just wanted to be high and do the icky shuffle and be on the carousel. I get to the bridge this dude is on. He's on the Triborough Bridge. I hand to my parents, may they rest in peace. I come up the Triborough, he's in the middle lane, stopped. And he's waving his hand like this out the window. And I don't know who he's waving at cause I'm not even there yet. So I finally get behind him and I'm like, yo. He said, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean you came to get him? You told me, he said, why aren't you in front of me? I said, yo dude, relax, you're good. So I have to go in front of him and the whole time he's on the horn. And I have to take him all and he lived in Yonkers. And I had to go five miles an hour over the Triborough, through the BQE, on 287, take them to I. And five miles an hour. And if I went 10, the phone would click over. What are you doing? You go too fast. And if I clicked back, my wife would be like, where did you go?
2: Where did you go?" That was the last time my wife ever smoked weed. MC Search, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) fucking kill it on Dopey. Thank you. I can't believe I remember that story. Thank you. I appreciate you. And uh, we did a killer, long. We did a long episode in Queens, and that should be coming out any day now. And it was fun. That was fun. Of course, it was fun. And you'll do my podcast. Yeah, right? Breaking Anonymity. MC I wasn't going to say it, but thank you for promoting it. Thank you for coming, though, Serge. I appreciate it. And- yeah, Lynn. Now we finally have my beautiful partner. She wrote a beautiful thing about Dopey. You guys want to hear Linda's thing about Dopey, don't you? Let's hear it for Linda. Come on, Lynn. Come on. Do you have a microphone? Yes. Are you ready? She didn't want to do the game show, which was smart now that I look at it. She wanted to read this thing. <laughs> you like
13: else? Oh. Read
2: your thing.
10: Well, it goes back to the Oconee Diner about seven years ago now. It's the diner that we, take, we now take our kids to every holiday since the cook pulls all-nighters before each one to deck the place out in life-size snow globes, animated skeletons, and inflatable turkeys. Ironically, Dave and I were there on one of the off weeks where it was just a plain old diner. But our time spent in those mirrored vinyl seats was nothing but ordinary. It was the day I learned about the infamous Dopey podcast, who Chris was, and why he thought it was okay to talk about all aspects of his life, including Nora and myself, into a microphone every week as you might expect i had a lot i first had a lot of questions and then a lot of anger or maybe it was the other way around like why would anyone give a crap about your mess of a life why would you ever put yourself out there like that or our train wreck relationship or the stupid shit you did high where does the humor come in i did not get it for me it was a deep breach of privacy and something I found devastating. It was a total expose of Dave's darkest hours told laughing by a loud fish tank alongside a friend who had been there and then some. It sure was a lot to digest on greasy diner food. Needless to say, the journey that would follow our shared burger, fries, and hours of silent treatment encompassed more than I could have ever imagined. I did not understand how humor through comparing war stories could be beneficial for anyone. But I was on the other side of that war story, very much wounded, resentful, and completely incapable of finding humor in any of it. I was also not an addict. I had never overdosed and almost died multiple times. I had never been arrested, completely lost my sense of who I was and all of my closest relationships. I had never lived each day for a decade to get out of my fucking head and be as numb as possible. I had never hit a rock bottom so hard that it shattered my core. I had never been through anything remotely close to Dave's journey, but Chris had. And their journey, I'm sorry, and their shared collaboration of storytelling, terrible jokes, and ways to stay sober seemed to be drawing a strength down from some sick gods who knew that they should keep on going and continue being as raw and vulnerable as they needed to be to get this ridiculous life across to anyone listening. And people began listening, a lot of people, and they were relating and laughing and wanting more. It took me a while to get it. It took seeing the emails, hearing people thanking Chris and Dave for being the only people who they could stomach listening to about why they should get clean. It took me time to work through my own resentments and see the larger picture. These two guys were helping others just by sharing a friendship and working together in their own funny way to stay alive. Who could ever argue with that?
2: All right, Lynn. Sit. All right, we're almost done. It's almost time to eat. But first, where's my dad? Yeah, you sit. Let's hear it for Linda. And like, my life would suck if Linda wasn't in it. So thank you. And thank you for letting us make dopey and thank you for everything and you come on we're gonna do a couple reviews before it's over and then it's gonna be over we're gonna eat and whatever sit please sit please hello hello all right so my dad obvious hello hello my dad obviously um famously reads reviews on the show and yes everybody loves my dad more than you know he's let's hear it one more time from my dad he's put up with a lot He went to Brooklyn to get the t-shirts. My dad dad would go anywhere for anybody. But still, how could I be on heroin for 15 years if you're such an amazing father? I don't know. All right. All right. You want to read some reviews, Dan? Of course. Yes. Do you
8: have the reviews? No. Oh, fucking hell. All right. Is it working? Yeah. You hear me.
2: Jim keeps calling me over and over again. Where's Jim? Why do you keep calling me? Your phone keeps calling me over and over again. (laughs) Or maybe it's not you. Maybe it's another Jim.
8: Do I know any other gyms? Uh-oh, something's, something's going on. Oh, God.
2: <laughs> dad, this is a big treat. It is?
8: I think it's a big
2: treat. Uh-oh. Um, you guys know the review that I make my dad read every week? Oh, no. <laughs> no. Uh, it I'm turns out that New York City Sarah is here. So where is she? New York City Sarah, come on up. Dad, she's here, so I think you need to read the review. Here.
0: <laughs> this
2: is a trick. Me, hold on, hold on, Sarah. Hold on. Dad, read the review, please.
8: I, I don't believe a word he's saying. What do you mean? She's not here. No.
2: That's New York City Sarah right there. Nice. Read the review, please.
8: I told you I would... Just,
2: just read the review, please. Sarah's here. Sarah, she came all the way from, from Rockaway Beach to be here. Dad, I, read I, it. Come on. I just
8: told you I would never read it again. Just read the review, please. Uh, <laughs> please read the review. She's here. She's not here. So that's New York City Sarah right there. But I'm gonna read it anyway, just to make them happy. Uh, by a privilege <laughs> by a privileged white man for a privileged white men by New York City Sarah, who is not here. One star. I, Thanks, Sarah. What, One one star. Uh, Do I have to do this? Yes. She's here. (laughs) I sometimes enjoy this podcast, but I'm often struck by the fact that it's mainly wealthy white men who are misogynistic at best. I can't recall ever hearing a story told by a racial minority, and I remember listening to just two by women. Uh Uh-oh. The men sharing have wealthy parents. Yup. Dad. Look at that suit you're wearing. <laughs> One with a Manhattan apartment yep. that we hear about in every single episode. Dad, what floor do you live on again? 21st. How many floors are in the
2: building? 21. I rest my case. Keep going. <laughs> That's...
8: Come on. Does it get to the lay council there? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, oh, to fall back on. They undergo numerous they you Man, under, uh, undergo numerous stints in rehab that would bankrupt most American family, including mine. The problem is there's no self-awareness, maturity or acknowledgement of the privilege that they are able to employ. Most of the guests would be in jail by now if they were black. Chris was, Chris was in prison for a year. I did
2: I mean, a couple days too.
8: Keep going, right. come on.
2: But he's, Sarah's not wrong. Sarah, you weren't wrong with this stuff. Let's no, hear it for Sarah. Sarah. I
17: mean, a lot of it's a lot of it's true.
8: true. Hold, it on, hold on, hold oh, on, hold. Wait, 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 wait.
2: Hold on. He has to finish the review though. Come on.
8: We shouldn't be hearing it for Sarah. What? All right. The, uh, where was this? You some, don't want to hear Sarah's point of view now? Some forever do two grotesque mandatory minimums, and yet. And yet, doping is a joke. What about wise guys behaving badly can get away with? It might be helpful to be slightly less narcissistic and to recognize that recovery stories are more than those of white men with endless means. Dad, you did a really nice job reading that. What does it make you feel before?
2: Sarah, come on up. Ladies
17: and gentlemen, New York City, Sarah. Hi. Um, I'm kind of nervous being up here, and um, but I, I had to come tonight, Alan, Mr. Mannheim. Kind of emotional. I'm sorry. Um, when I sent that email, I was I was at a real bad time in my life, and uh, I had uh, I had just had to file bankruptcy, and I found out that my male coworkers were making quite a bit more than I was making per hour doing the same job um i had a lot of black friends that were serving time for a little bit of marijuana um i just had a lot of resentment and i just kept hearing about your opulent lake house
2: the boats right sarah
17: yeah yeah yeah
2: three boats he has two three boats
17: boats. (laughs) Your, your apartments your your 21st floor apartment, you know everything, and I just, you know, really without even thinking, it was just one of those things. I just, I just, I just spewed it out, and I I sent the email, and I and I got to tell you though, ever since then, I, I really wanted to come tonight to tell you that uh, I felt so much remorse oh, for sending oh, that nice to you. The more that I get to know you and listen to you on the show, um, you're such. Um, big part of the Dopey Nation and um, all all that you do and the Dopey Foundation and your um, good sense of, of humor and ability to oh Sarah to take, I think
2: you're going too far now to come take on.
17: jokes no come on no keep, keep going and uh, no and and uh, just all that you do and um, so I just. I just came here tonight because I I just really want to sincerely tell you that I'm sorry for that email and I I apologize. And you're not Sarah. Why don't you give
8: Sarah a hug, Dad? (laughs) Thank you, Sarah. What do you think?
2: Ladies and gentlemen, New York City, Sarah.
17: Thank you for letting me do that. What do you you think,
2: Dad?
17: That is pretty good.
2: It's not New York City, Sarah, Dad. That's Susie Carnes. She's from Illinois sarah's still out there and she's gonna get you that's it everybody let's hear it for my dad let's hear it for susie Carnes. thank you for coming to fucking dopey stay strong what let's there's food stay strong dopey nation fucking toodles for chris thank you for coming
18: be good so.